The Brutally Speaking podcast is proudly sponsored by Starving Artist Brewing. Starving Artist Brewing may be a small speck on Michigan's beer map, but they say big things come in small packages. A brewery who really puts their money where their mouth is, supporting underground artists far and wide. Making delicious beers with the simple belief that you should judge beer, not people. Brutally Speaking Podcast is proudly sponsored by Rockabilia.com. For over 30 years, Rockabilia has been the go-to destination for all things band merch. With over 500,000 items in their online store and collaborations with today's hottest bands, you're sure to find something you love. Use our code BREW10 at checkout and take 10% off your total order. So go pick up your favorite new piece of merch now over at rockabilia.com. Now, on to the show. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Brutally Speaking Podcast. I am John, and this episode's guest is Evan, drummer for Royal Thunder, whose latest album, Rebuilding the Mountain, is out now. Uh, you can catch them right now on tour with Royal Bliss and the dudes in New Monarch. Uh, if you go to see a tour date uh, and you go check out New Monarch, uh, show James and Pui, uh, the rhythm section of Wilson, some love, uh, especially James. Uh, he actually uh, just had the birth of his daughter. And it has been uh, a bit of a, it's been a thing. It's been a journey uh, for, for him and his, his uh, lady to, to bring their child in. I uh, was born prematurely uh, while they were on a trip out to Texas. Um, if you go to James's Instagram uh, page, I believe there's a link in his bio for a, a GoFundMe for, uh, to support them. Uh, all the medical bills and everything that they have uh, endured. Uh, but looks like everything has been as good as can be for them. Um, so shout out to James uh, and his lady and their new daughter. Um, but this chat with Evan was a lot of fun. Uh, I do want to preface and say uh, apologies, I guess, to anyone who's listening who will be like, oh, what a fucking idiot. You didn't know that the whole band wasn't doing some of these covers. Uh, the thing that you kind of have to keep in mind with some of the stuff when I'm talking to somebody uh, is the amount of emails I see where I see names, uh, see names and people who are helping. Uh, that's kind of been the interesting thing as I've been kind of on this side of the industry for a little while is sometimes you'll see someone working uh, a record and you'll be like, yeah, it'd be really great to talk with someone. So, and they're like, oh, we're actually not servicing the album. Uh, we're just doing a favor for the label, somebody else, whatever. Uh, so the amount of times sometimes that I will see a name, something going on uh, is kind of staggering, uh, especially once uh, some people still have me on their email list for the old podcast name. Uh, so sometimes I get double, triplet emails and so forth. Um, 
So it is a thing where sometimes you see a band name so often you, you just kind of remember, oh, yeah, I remember seeing this thing. Uh, and in the case of Royal Thunder, you know, obviously during the pandemic, uh, I saw the name a lot with the Two Minutes to Late Midnight uh, covers, uh, as well as some of the, the live covers that they were doing at St. Vitus uh, to kind of help raise funds and money and so forth for uh, some of the venues and so forth that were shut down, obviously, during the pandemic. And I was kind of reminded a little bit of that last night, actually. Uh, the reason this episode didn't come out uh, was because, uh, selfishly, I wanted to go see his legend uh, and spend a day with my wife uh, going going to the beach uh, and to the pool and hanging out. And, you know, the, the his legend guys, uh, mainly Skyler, uh, you know, made a post on his Instagram about, um, you know, kind of shouted out the pyramid scheme here in town uh, where they played last night. For all the things the venue did right, uh, that he sees as a touring musician, uh, venues and promoters and so forth, not doing these things. And there was a moment that Skylar had kind of made a comment about during the set about that this, you know, there was a moment where this, we weren't sure if it was ever going to happen and that there's an energy in rooms like this and cities like this and in, in, like in Grand Rapids and so forth where you know, it's it's something that they can feel and, you know, that they aren't a new band and that, you know, they don't know how much longer they're going to be doing these kind of things. And it, it kind of really kind of made me think about a lot of things. You know, I've kind of been in this somewhat reflective mood of like how things have, how much things have changed in my life just from a perspective of like getting older, but like the city I live in, like the thing that drew me to Grand Rapids, you know, as I was talking to a gentleman the other day, was like my wife and I lived an hour away in small cities and this was where we came to go see bands that we grew up, you know, getting the CDs and seeing them on TV. This was where it was our escape from our small town cities and vibes and going into the the big city and so forth. And, you know, as I was driving around uh, getting ready to go to the He's Legend show, I, I kind of took a different way from where my car was. And I was thinking about like, oh, there used to be like a gas station here before the, the local college tore it all down and renovated everything and bought up all the land. And just thinking about businesses and, and things and memories and all of these things that I think about when I drive through my city and about how I'm old now. And like there are going to be people who don't even know these things existed, This the part of the history of what made our city what it is. And I've kind of been thinking about kind of the same thing about like, those things in my life, like memories that I have that maybe people don't remember or aren't going to remember. And I don't know, it's just been an interesting thing. But you know, like I said, Skylar kind of hit on the fact that it's like, you know, when you play some of these kind of rooms, there's that vibe, there's that that energy that of the people who have been here before the fans who keep these venues open in spite of, you know, something like a pandemic where it looked like everything was going to go away. And to kind of think about how that correlates to, to Evan and Royal Thunder is just, I've been thinking a lot about how we take in music now. And being someone who is so bombarded with new music in my emails, uh, it's interesting to think back to compilations and cover songs and how they were a way for you to find either A, a new band, the band that's covering said song you know, or B, it was a great way for you to be in love with the band but they're bringing a song to you that maybe you didn't know that artist. So, and it's an influence of theirs. So it's now a way for you to find out about some other band. And I don't know that, 
I don't know that compilations still technically work the same way they did back in back when I was a kid, but it is something that's interesting to think about is is how finding music has somewhat become way easier, but I also feel like it's so much harder now because there's just so much information and noise that how does anyone find what cuts through and, and finds them? And ultimately, that was kind of the point I was trying to make with Evan is just I think it was it was a way that I remember hearing about Royal Thunder for the first time where a lot of people were like, yo, you should check out this fucking cover. And it made me feel nostalgic for for that. Like that was how I found out about bands was through that kind of same word of mouth buzz. And it's just something that I don't really know if people are aware of when it's happening in real time. Um, I think that's kind of the hard thing is you're you're so used to just having your head down and doing the thing that I don't know that people take the time to look up and kind of realize where they're at in the journey or what's happening around them. Um, so just an interesting thing I've been thinking a lot about. But this was a long chat, uh, so let's get into it. Uh, so without further ado, this is my chat with Evan, and I'll talk to you all on the other side of it. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, it's funny because uh, you guys, the tour, actually, you're getting ready to go out on. Uh, I've been kind of looking. F- I was looking forward to it until I realized it wasn't really coming around here uh, in Michigan because uh, New Monarchs, uh, Pooey and James uh, from X Wilson are the homies. Yeah. So it been been cool to actually see them in their new project because I haven't gotten to yet. So <clears throat> that's awesome, man. I've actually I actually met James uh, back. Man, it's been years now, but we did a tour with crowbot and he mm. was playing bass for him at the time uh and dang that was maybe like 2017 or something like that yeah i think it was right before the pandemic uh because i remember because chris and the crowbot dudes are, are homies too awesome. and i remember at the time <clears throat> my wife and i and some friends going out to san antonio when chris was out there before moving back and then going back um that he was like yeah, we're trying to figure out what we're doing because we want James and Pooey to to replace our rhythm section. And he's like, I just, I think Wilson's too busy. We're trying to figure it out. And we have some other people we're eyeballing. <clears throat> and then basically right around that same time was like almost pandemic time by the time it all got situated. So it's just, it's kind of interesting to think back to like things that were in motion right before the pandemic. And then essentially like, it not only just fucked up a ton of things like for people who were like getting ready to drop records tours and all that, but just even behind the scenes stuff of like, all right, I think like we got a band back ready to go. We're excited yeah. to hit the road. And then it's just all of it's done. And it just completely changes the dynamic of what could be for a band. For sure, man. Uh, I really like James, man. I, I, it was funny. Cause uh, I had heard the name new Monarch, uh, before the tour and i just hadn't put two and two together yet that that was his new band yeah uh, and then when the i saw the the uh promo like for the tour i saw the name so i like checked him out and i was like oh yeah that's right and i was like stoked and actually i sent him a message i was like dude stoked <laughs> see you know see you in july oh yeah i'm excited about it man 
is it <clears throat> you know because a thing that I, I find kind of interesting because i feel like in rock and, and in the music industry i'll say in music business it's it's kind of interesting because there are bands that you'll see the name all the time but there's also like i don't want to call them like brother bands but there's bands that have similar names and so like i know for you guys uh was it royal bliss uh yeah there are a ton of people who i think probably confuse you guys all the time does oh, it yeah, still sure. does it still happen um we've been confused with royal that band royal blood a few times For royal blood yeah yeah uh royal bliss is uh i'm i'm actually new to their music i i hadn't heard of them until the tour came mm. into play and uh they they rip man. I've been watching footage too, and I'm excited to meet those guys and get on the road with them and watch them every night. Uh, but yeah, the, there's a lot of Royals, and uh, <laughs> I haven't seen a lot of Thunders though. Only a couple, even out here and there. So it's just interesting to think <laughs> in this this day and age that with as quick as it is that someone can literally find, you know, I know with the podcast, as soon as someone finds out I have a podcast, they're like, what, what, what is it? And they like, will grab their phone and go try to look it up. That it's interesting that there can be such confusion still in this day and age of who is whom and who is touring and all that kind of stuff. And like, who's putting out which songs, because it's like, I, I get it from a perspective of like, if you just were trying to catch a name and remember it yourself, but yeah. the fact that you have the capability to, to not make that mistake is kind of interesting to me that it still happens. Yeah, no, it definitely happens. Even I, uh, I'll still do it with, with bands. I mean, there's so many bands nowadays, especially with like social media and stuff. It's everything's so much more accessible where you can just, like you're saying, check something out. Whereas when we were kids, it was like, you had to go and like to the store and like get the magazine and like, look at what's coming out or like popping it a record or CD at the store, see if they let you listen to it or something, you know, before you bought it. So it's, everything's come a long way, man. It's awesome. Something I, you know, cause with the, with the pandemic and a lot of the things that were going on during it, you know, it, it forced a lot of bands, I think to have to, to think outside the box of how do we still be creative? How do we still get, ourselves out there to people and, and let them know that we're still making music or we're still here when we can't physically be there in different cities and so forth. And, you know, the live streams and really I'll say like a big one for me was the, the two minutes to midnight um, covers and little shows and stuff like that. Yeah. Having awesome. your, having your band be a part of those, like what is something like that do for the band? Like, cause it's something like that isn't new, you know, like it kind of reminds me of, a new take on like the compilation CDs essentially. Yeah. Where it's like, it's a way for people to That's awesome, have someone man. maybe that they know or something that they're familiar with, but it puts it in a new package to where it's like, Oh, maybe I've never heard of this band or I've not heard of this. And it's a way to kind of break into a new demographic of people. And I feel like what they're doing over there is kind of that. Um, so I kind of want sure, to talk man. a little bit about what it's been like for you as the band to kind of be in, be involved in a project like this uh, kind of a few times over consistently. Man, it's been awesome. That, and it, Mel's, Mel's, is, she's awesome, man. She can sing pretty much anything. Uh, I'm not uh, trying to blow her up any, or anything, <laughs> but yeah, she can. And uh, I think her doing that in between the time we had off as a band was super beneficial, man. And I appreciate all those guys there for, 
having having her on so much because it really kind of carried over uh what could have been like just like silent radio silence for us you know what i mean uh, so and i think a lot of people like you're saying i thought it was cool how you compared it to the compilation cds because i that's how you know we'd find out about bands back in the day that, that shit you know and uh remember those were free all the time too um yeah they, they, they'd give them out to you in like a store or something you know and then like Street but, uh, teams. yeah uh but i i love that man i love that she did that and i again thank those dudes for having her on and t- dude i mean the covers were awesome too especially the one she got to do with the uh, johnny kelly from all of our favorite band of all time typo negative so that's all that's fucking <laughs> awesome dude so I yeah, it's rad. I think what's interesting is, and I've talked about it on this show quite a bit, because you know, cover songs aren't a new thing. Uh, you know, they've long existed, even going back to like the 50s and stuff like that, with you know, Elvis, some of his biggest, you know, singles were covers but done by other people. And I always think it's interesting to see how someone brings in outside influences from what they do into their own style of music. So, you know, the two minutes to to midnight stuff, I think is really intriguing in that sense, you know, obviously having someone from typo, you know, having uh, Brodsky from cave in and mutoid man and so forth, like just kind of bringing even different types of musicians together uh, creates really interesting dynamics. But, you know, even your guys's cover of um, what was it? Believe by a share. Oh yeah. I think, that was uh, she, that might have been one. That might have been one where it was Mel yeah. again. But like, yeah, was when it, she's the only when I go on these like Spotify's. Party. Yeah, as I was say, when I go on yeah. some of these uh, things, I also complain about how having wireless headphones is awesome because you don't have to like have your phone on you. But yeah. the downside is too is when you're listening to music and you get lost in a shuffle. If you're not aware of what it is, you're just like, I don't know what that was. And yeah. uh, I have to go back and figure that out because I'm not able to visually look and see what I'm doing. So I do know when I was on a Royal Thunder playlist that popped up. So I assumed it was you guys. Um, but I, I'm learning in real time that apparently that was another one of the uh, Two Minutes to Midnight covers. And I'm assuming. Yeah, yeah. it's a, man. She's done a lot with those guys. Uh, I think maybe like. Two. Maybe like four or five or something like that. Maybe even more. Um, so that's awesome. I mean, I mean, I can't wait to see. I don't know if they've started doing it again in person, like they started doing it. But I thought that was really cool too. How it was like at St. Vitus with the light. It was like a live show, you know? Right. Well, so. the the real crux of what I was going to ask um, before getting realized that I brought up the wrong a wrong like not the full band, but was going to say like, given the diverse nature of like the band sound, what would be kind of an interesting cover that you would like to tackle as a, as a full band to kind of really showcase a different side of you all than maybe people would expect at this point, but also would probably be one where you're able to kind of put your own spin on it as well. Man. uh, We've never actually done a cover as a band. And if, we, if I had to choose a cover, I think it, it would have to be like, what would it be? <laughs> That's a tough question, man. If I, for Royal Thunder, I don't know. It's because we've never, we've always kind of been like, no covers. You know what I mean? So like, <laughs> but uh, 
we would definitely take one and put our own spin on it. You know what I mean? We would, uh, it wouldn't sound like the original. We would just, cause I don't like it when people do covers and they, it sounds exactly like, because I feel like that's almost like you're stepping on the original, like take the original as an inspiration to like pay tribute to the original artist, you know? That's Absolutely. how I like to see it. Um, uh, uh Man, it'd be cool to do like like a James Gang song or something. Okay. See, you know, it, like and- maybe like uh, it's a good popular jam. like Ride the Wind. I think it is. Damn it! But we could do it like all different. So and that's what I was going to say is I feel like the band sound, you know, I feel like is that of it feels familiar while still feeling new. And and I think like some people might take that as like a weird backhanded compliment, but I really do mean it in such a way that it's hard to do that. It's It's hard to sound new and something that feels worn in for lack of a better term where it just it feels good. It it, it makes sense. But when you're listening to it, you you can't really pinpoint any one thing where you're like, oh, clearly this is the influence. This is what it reminds me of. Because yeah. there's enough of of you in the new thing that makes it feel that way. And there aren't many bands. And it's funny when I say like a newer band, like I know I think you guys have been around since was it 2004, I think, because I remember uh, when I found the band, I was like, shit, this band has been around for almost, I think, two years after I graduated high school. Yeah, Josh uh, started it, man, so long ago. It's crazy to think about. It's crazy, man. That's shit. How many years? <laughs> it's almost 20. Or actually, yeah, it'll be because my 20th, because uh, I graduated in 02. So my 20th anniversary of graduating was uh, last year. Yeah. So 04 is when the band started. 20 years will be next year. I mean, he had, they had already done it for years before I even came on board. I didn't come on board until uh, right after CBI came out for the tours. Uh, so they, and at that point, I mean, yeah, shit. They, so, yeah, dude, he's he started this thing. He, that's crazy, man. That's awesome. <laughs> well, what I was going to say is, like, it lends itself, too, to, like, you know, this thing where there's a lot of – yeah, I mean, again, kind of going back to the world we live in where it's it's so digital and everyone just kind of takes things at almost at face value to a degree. Yeah. That it's like, you know, I feel like I have been hearing about you on a bigger scale for probably it feels like the last maybe six, seven, maybe eight years with some of the tours that you're doing, touring with friends, kind of seeing the name around. I mean, you, the band has always been kind of one of those. You see the name almost like here in the Midwest anyway coming around pretty frequently. Like it seemed like every three months or so it's like they're on a tour that's coming somewhat nearby, but it's one of those that like when you're starting to kind of get what I'll call more mainstream popularity, like we're it's kind of becoming more of a household name of sorts that it's the overnight success where it's like, Oh, this is this new band. And you're like, no, we've been around for like in different iterations for like over a decade, 20 years, whatever. So it's, it's, that journey I think is interesting of like, how do you, how does someone navigate when the thing is kind of finally starting to happen? Because I, you know, as I'm watching kind of a quick side tangent, I'm watching uh hard lore, uh, which is Colin from uh twitching tongues, God's hate and Bo from harm's way. 
and they basically have a podcast where they just have people in the hardcore scene on the show and they just kind of bullshit. And so the episode yeah. I'm watching is with Brian from Knock Loose. And they're the part I just was watching, they're talking about the come up and like how the band just relentlessly toured and like yeah. how they're just now kind of starting to be offered like tours where they can afford to have buses and like getting bigger look spots and so forth. And you know, how they're, how they're all dealing with it as it's happening. And that idea of what does it look like when the thing is kind of starting to gain some momentum and you're starting to maybe like more people come better, better venues, things you're afforded, you know, being able to be in a sprinter van or like a bandwagon versus being in a, uh, you know, a van and having to drive yourself, you know, having texts, if you know, you're at that point, like just the, the steps and evolution of being in a full-time band. And I always kind of think it's interesting to talk to people who are in different parts of the journey and, and how, what it's like as it's happening, because I, I think it's such a, an interesting space to be in where you kind of are learning about yourself. And it's kind of like, the moment where like your parents are probably like, Oh, like this is actually happening. It's something that you can do as a profession and it's sustainable and, and so forth. And to me, that journey I think is so fascinating. So, and I feel like you're kind of, I feel like you're kind of taking this next step. That's going to take you to wherever the next part of your, your career is going to go. And are you guys like kind of aware of it in real time? I mean, I'm definitely not aware of it. I mean, I don't know. If we're really aware. <laughs> you know, I I, uh, I live up here in the middle of nowhere, man. And I like it's just me, me and my wife and my dogs. You know, uh, but man, I guess all I could say about this is like how thankful if it if that's what's going on, I'm extremely thankful for it, and I I won't fucking take it for granted ever, man. I and, and uh, I like to tell people in bands like like. I've, I've taught drum lessons off and on and uh i'll tell like a kid starting his first band like dude you just gotta like just don't stop mm-hmm. and like you'll find your place you know what i mean like it's a long time i mean it, and it's a lot of luck luck of the draw shit man you know um that's the reality of it too i tell i like to tell people i mean we're by no means a big band like we're still underground as far as i as far as I, I know, really, I mean, or at least we'll always have that mentality of just like, if there's 500 people or five people, we're going to play the same way. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, right. Uh, and it's, it's damn. I mean, I'd be, that'd be awesome to like pay the bills solely off the band. I think, I, I mean, that's what we all want. That's to me, like that's, uh, that's the goal like for all of us is like we don't we're not we've never been it for like fame or like anything like that like popularity it's more just like shit dude if i could just like make just enough to like not have to work other jobs too that'd be great you know what i mean um just because doing what you love man and uh I, i think it takes it takes time too to like really figure out if it's if you're in it for for life you know like right i think you see a lot of new bands who like have it who uh which uh man it's fucking awesome when like people just start off and it's like 
they're 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 ripping going for you know what i mean they don't have to go through 10 years of grinding um i i think uh shit man that's what i'm saying luck of the draw to you and uh but uh i think a lot of that like those dudes really go through the ringer because like it it all hits hard at once in the beginning so it can like it's I think either really burn you out really fast or like really hard. It's going to go either way for you. You know what I mean? Um, you got to like just be comfortable with a lot of shit, you know, be comfortable with like sleeping in your van for years and like rest stops and like, you know, not having enough money to get hotels for a while. I mean, it, and stuff like that. Um, it also just depends on how you want to look at it. Like, are you like, someone who wants to go out as like hired guns where you just like pay, like it's like you're, you're an independent contractor. You just take jobs, you know, or Mm -hmm. you want to be in a band and just go grind it. And, uh, you got to figure out how you like to work with that. I've always been like, I got to be in a part of a band, you know? Uh, and then I know a lot of people who like, are like man i'm i just go whoever hires me for this tour and that tour you know which is awesome too there's a lot of different ways to do it uh to make a living off of it uh and i i think it just comes down to the personality type like if you're in it no matter what or you want to do it no matter what i mean beyond within reason i mean you can't everyone has different <clears throat> excuse me, everyone has different responsibilities and life privileges, you know, and, and so on. So like, it's easier for, I think some people than others to just go out and, uh, tour and stuff and not make shit. Uh, I mean, that's changed for us. We did that for so long and now we have families and stuff. So we have to be a little, a little pickier, Mm. uh, which is a double-edged sword because you want to be out there all the time playing because it's what you love to do. But you also got to think about, we got to think about our families now too, you know? Um, what? But yeah, I, I just say, unless, yeah. unless you get lucky, man, I just say you got at least 10 years grind and go that you got to do, <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, I minimum, like, 10 years minimum. <laughs> I feel like there's, there's a couple of things in what you're saying and, and kind of even the question as I brought it up. So maybe like this is a great example and I've kind of talked about this a little bit too in a couple of different ways where potentially what I'm seeing from an out, like not in the band's perspective because uh, maybe you're so close in it and it's happening in such a real time capacity for you that you're not really able to, to kind of see or hear. Um, you know, when I see different like band people I follow, like share a song or a snippet of yours, like on like an Instagram story or, you know, share it something on Twitter or some of the emails I get from publicists or some of the conversations I have with people that are in more of the media side of the industry. There seems to be this sense that, you know, the, the album that you're basically you know, the singles that have come out, like it's, you know, the common thing I keep seeing and reading and hearing is like, this is like 
we can't wait for this one because this is like kind of like there's a lot of anticipation. There's a lot of buzz. There seems to be, like I said, this groundswell that's kind of happening where it's like all these things were maybe like the 10 years of grinding, like I was alluding to earlier, where it's like, you know, some people find this band and it seems new. And so like this is the first new record some people are going to hop in on where it's their first new record of the bands. But the band's been around for a while and they just maybe haven't gone past you know, this record or the one before it or whatever, however they find the band, but the industry is kind of seemingly taking notice. The people within that, like maybe people you look up to are kind of championing you doing the cosign things that matter in the industry where it's like the cosign, I think is a huge one. Like so many bands, I think for a while were, I don't know if like, I, I still haven't figured this out. And even when I talk to people about it, we're, we're kind of, not really able to pinpoint a, a reason why this exists, but you know, I'll say in like rock music and stuff, it seems like there's more divisiveness. Like people don't come together. They don't do collaborations. Bands don't take other bands out on tour. Like it seems like maybe the industry has kind of planted other people against each other because, well, if I help you, then you take away what little bit of the pie there is for me. So I'm just not going to do that. Not yeah. like you see in like hip hop and pop music where there's, cross-pollinization of collabs and tours and everything because i think there's more of a piece of the pie to go around and all it's going to do is kind of be like well if i put you on and i did a song and i got like points on it or something like that then that'll bring me more money because i have back-end deals or something like that but yeah. it's a thing like i said i'm wondering if i'm hearing the buzz about you guys collectively from more of the behind the scenes people. And it's not something that you're really aware of because it's, it's not a part of maybe what you're, you're all into or the part that matters to you because you're just in it. You know, you're creating your art, you're looking forward to the tours, you're, you're doing the job. And so therefore when you're doing it, you're not kind of aware of a lot of the peripheral things that are happening. I'm wondering if that's the case. You just kind of been listening to you talk. It absolutely is. And man, that's awesome, dude. And anyone who's digging the record and, speaking positively of us i can't thank enough for that you know um that's what it's all about and that's what we're all about it's just we're gonna do this no matter what i mean we took some time off uh you know we all had to get some shit together it's all it was and uh and i think now we're clear-headed we know what we want to do uh we're not we're not messing around anymore like it you know what i mean we we demoed this record for two years. Uh, the whole rebuilding the mountain is we're back and we, we want to do it right. And like show everyone who's helped us along the way, respect and, you know, honor all that. And I think that'd be awesome, man. I'd love to be able to take out bands. I dig on tour and stuff, you know, um, I've never been competitive, I guess competitive is the right word. Right. As far as like, in the rock scene. I mean, I've come across it a lot. Mm. And I say like, there's like athletes, like, like, like competitive athletes about it. And then there's like, dude, you just love playing. Uh, I think we're lucky in the fact that all three of us just love playing music and recording records, you know, um, we've never been competitive. I mean, and there's I'm, like you're saying, there's a lot of shit I don't hear. There's a lot of stuff I don't know about. Like, <laughs> you know, um, all I can say is like, if we've ever 
if anyone's ever been mad at us or anything, dude, we, we're sorry, <laughs> man. We're we're sorry, and uh, uh, you know, I, I'm sorry for whatever happened. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean. Uh, but uh, that I I think it's awesome. I think uh, I think no matter what, I'll still be that like kid in my bed, like that uh, twelve year old kid in my bedroom playing to like punk music with my stereo, my drum set, you know, just wanting to like, I mean, that's just want to get up there and play, man. You know, uh, I think that'd be fucking awesome. I would love to, like I said, be full time and, uh, just be busy as hell again. I mean, we were for a while and then, you know, and there's ups and downs in this industry. You know that like, some years are better than others. Some years, you know, some records are better than others. You know what I mean? Like, it just depends. I, I think anyone who's coming in now to this album, it's a good record to come into because uh, we're back to our roots on it. You know what I mean? It's, <laughs> yeah, we're, it, we, I mean, I think we're, you know, just being back to the three piece, I think we've realized too is where the, nothing's in the way nothing you can everything's raw man you can hear josh's finger sounds you can hear like weird little pedal squeaks you can hear like mel's like human voice you know what i mean like i think it's a good album to come into and if 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 it's if it's well received man i think that'd be awesome and i i can't thank anyone enough who's digging on it you know what i mean well, I think that maybe that's what's bringing people to it is the the you can feel the authenticity. And that's kind of what I was alluding to earlier when I say, like, it feels familiar. <clears throat> For me, it harkens back to some an era or I should say eras. It kind of reminds me of a lot of different eras of music I grew up listening to, either from stuff my dad was listening to from, you know, the 70s and so forth to even I'll say at times like and this might be like a weird comparison. I, I don't know. Um but to me, it's like, I feel like it, it almost feels like something between like Soundgarden, Pearl Jam, like where it's it's kind of not necessarily in sound, but like in the feel of it, in the tone of it and kind of the seriousness. And, you know, it kind of pays, like I said, homage, like those bands. I remember listening to Soundgarden when I was a kid and I, I knew enough that it was like this reminds me of black Sabbath, but it's, it's not black Sabbath. It's, it's something different, It but there's tinges to it. So therefore I kind of like it because it has those kind of riffs and those like the drums and like, it sounds like this and it just feels good. And when I listen to, you know, some of your guys' music and the couple of singles you guys have put out for the new record, it's a thing where it feels to me like some of these kind of bands were like, they weren't any one thing. They were a lot of things. And the growth yeah. that they showcased over their careers was, was wide reaching even into the individual members of like what they've done. But I also feel like it's coming at a point in time. And again, this is kind of where I bring a different influence in where it's like, you see someone like a Chris Stapleton or you see someone like even like Taylor Bryant in the shakedown, like where they're kind of bringing a little bit more of like, like country folk indie kind of vibes too, but there's this earnest thing that it's like the music you're hearing and the lyrics you're hearing and the music that you're hearing 
we're all inspired by real things that we as people feel all the time. And so it just creates this, this human bond and connection that I, I feel like at times is missing from cookie cutter bullshit that just is like, okay, we need that three and a half minute long song. Just throw the hook in ad nauseum and there we go. Slap it, whatever. And now it's ready yeah. to be used in a commercial to sell something. Cause it, it's got that kind of sound to it. And I feel like your, your music and your band is one that when I hear it, it's a thing where I, I find little nuances as I keep going back and listening to some of the songs, like maybe there's a drum fill, maybe there's like a guitar part or a, a vocal melody that I didn't quite catch the first time. And I'm like, Oh, okay. Like that's really cool. I never paid attention to that. And it's a thing where I think it's even in that word, the long-term successes of a band like yours will come because it, it, there's always something to keep coming back to, because again, it's, it's created out of earnest real things that happen to you all to, to inspire that. And even going a step further, I mean, as a, a kind of shitty musician myself, it's like I I love three-piece bands because there's kind of something so, I mean, beyond even a minimalist kind of perspective, but like there's no hiding. Like you all yeah. have to be able to carry each other. Like if you fuck up, then it's going to, like everyone can hear it because there's less oh, yeah. to hide behind. And it becomes oh, yeah. this thing where it's like, but I think it also showcases like the magic, how give me guitars, give me bass, give me drums and vocals. It's all you need. You don't need to have all these extra layers of something. And again, I think it just kind of takes it back to this more, the foundational elements of, of rock music. Um, and so for me, it's, it's, I don't know, it, it hits on a lot of levels. Like I said, uh, being almost 40, it's like, I feel like I could show like next time I see my dad, I could be like, check out this band. I think you'll like them. I think there's something in it that you'll at least go, Oh, it kind of reminds me of, and then you'll keep listening because it, it has a sense of familiarity to it, but it's still new. That's fucking awesome, man. First off. And thanks so much for all those kind words, man. That means the world to us to hear things like that, because it's true. Like that's why all of our albums are, are different because we don't think about a sound really when we write, you know, we kind of just like, we'll write based off uh, what we're just like, feeling in the moment like that's why you'll hear like some of the older stuff like and we still do all that stuff we still do everything live you know uh i've heard a lot of people say man the older stuff's heavier and uh, <laughs> it's like yeah it was it was just that's what they were feeling at the time and like um you just say there won't be another heavy record ever if we're if we're feeling that you know at the moment um, right uh and i think that's what you're where uh what you're coming from i mean what what you're talking about comes from because uh i mean our demos are hilarious they're all like 15 <laughs> minutes long dude like it, it like, it's like <laughs> you know it's like like we'll just jam on a riff for like 15 minutes and like we'll naturally just change into shit and then like go back and listen and then oh that part was cool what the hell is happening now? Oh, this part was cool. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, and we'll kind of hone in on that. And, uh, I actually learned that from some Pink Floyd documentary when I was a kid, like mm. that's what they used to do. They would just like jam and like, listen back and be like, Oh, that was cool. That sucked. That was cool. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Uh, and mm. all the nineties bands you, you mentioned like Soundgarden and Pearl Jam and all that, like, I think it. we were all kids, like, growing up then. 
So that's all we heard too. You know, you too. So uh, you also, so I feel like your brand's developing. So like we heard, we pro- that's the best shit we heard, like Nirvana and all that stuff. And then, you know, it, our brand's probably just like naturally, like subconsciously like molded that way. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> like, it's like, uh, but yeah, I see what you're saying, man. I, um, like if you listen to the older stuff, we had like so many parts. Yeah. And to, and to be honest with you, we're, now we're just kind of like, oh man, we don't feel like playing all those parts. Any <laughs> you know less, I mean? less is more. You find yeah. as you get older, less is more. Yeah. And it's like, uh, I mean, we do, we will, you know, for you guys, like, cause we, we wouldn't be here without anyone who doesn't dig the music, man. You know? So we'll always play at songs from each record, no matter what. Uh, and you know, unless we're doing special stuff where it's like a full album or something like that live, you know. Um, but uh, I think that's where all that comes from. We just don't think about anything, and we don't like a lot of the bands I've I've read and heard people compare us to. Some of them I have never even listened to before. <laughs> like, has uh, it has that opened you up more though to to finding newer bands and subconsciously in a weird way? maybe it does become become a thing where it's like when people are like, Oh, I hear the influence of X band. And you're like, I've never heard of that band. But since you ended up hearing it, you're like, Oh, I kind of like, like maybe the, whoever that band is and something, maybe the drummer does where you're like, Ooh, I like this like way that he, or they do like this fill into this da da da, whatever. Like has that, has that even happened? Cause I, always find that to be interesting where it's like the influence wasn't what someone thought it was, but then because you became aware of that possible influence, it then in turn actually does end up influencing you in some way. Dude, absolutely. Like, uh, in a band, an actual example of that is uh, concrete blonde. Hmm. Uh, I remember them when I was a kid, but I never paid attention to him because like I was too young at the time to like understand a lot, a lot of things about music and what I really liked, you know, when you're really little. Uh, but I was like, huh, I remember seeing that name when I was little. And then, like, I went back and listened to him after I saw someone com- compare the music or music to him. And I, I've been listening to all their out. Like, that's fucking awesome. You know, I, I, uh, I get it. Uh, I get why someone could, would say that too. Uh, but, yeah, that's a band that I discovered from mm. that that I, I'm I've been really digging on. So it's uh, uh kind of wanted to hit on something because you were saying earlier, and I think I saw on uh, somewhere on the band's socials. I think in the last like week or two, um, you know, obviously that you're doing drum lessons, you're available for uh, doing like studio work and session work and so forth. And I kind of wanted to, to pinpoint more on the, the drum lessons part and kind of working with different musicians. Uh, you know, a lot of times I think when we think of people giving lessons, it's for people who are like just starting out, have no foundation for something. But I do know just from following a lot of different musicians as a whole, anyone at any skill set can still learn from somebody else. And I think it's an integral part of getting older and, and growing as a person. But Something I do find interesting in, in thinking about that when you're taking someone and they're learning this instrument that you've given your life to learning and, you know, perfecting what you are able to do, how is it to kind of see the instrument that you've been playing for so long through someone else's eyes as a first yeah. time? 
it's pretty awesome, man. I, uh, the oldest student I've ever had was like in his sixties, which is mm. cool. Like and everyone learns differently too. Like I like to kind of figure out how each student would learn, you know, likes to, likes to learn and learns better. Some learn, some are auditory learners, like, you know, learn by ear. That's actually how I started. Um, and then some, you got to like write out a piece of music form. So it's, you just gotta, you know, I've always been a teacher that, and I, I love teaching, man. I, I feel lucky to be able to do it. Um, uh, cause I want to pass it on cause I won't be able to do it anymore one day. You know what I mean? Yeah. absolutely. Um, and, uh, you know, it's awesome because like, I, I even learn from students I've had sometimes, like, cause everyone looks at the instrument differently, you know, they're like, and I'm like, Oh, I understand. Oh, cool. And then I'll take, I'll be like, I'll like take it and do something with it, you know? It, and then some students like to learn from like playing through a song. Some students like to learn from drills, just like playing the same thing over and over and over. That's what I like to do. I'll just like play the same thing for like, two hours like and mm. take breaks and just just and then by, by after it's over you know it you know you're, you're done um but uh see you know it's cool man it's cool to see it through their eyes because it's it it teaches you too you know and you learn more about what you're doing yourself and it, i like that outside perspective I, like i've always wished i could like hear my drum kit from like like if i would sit down and play it i could like hear it from outside like outside mm. my body you know not knowing that it was me playing it just to like hear if like my tones are shit or actually good you know <laughs> um it's awesome though man i i love teaching i mean uh yeah, I've only had like one bad experience teaching a student. He he would just like rage. It was like a little kid. He would like rage. He like threw sticks at me one time. I had to tell. His, I was like, dude, I can't teach. Like, I'm not his dad. I can't do anything. I just had to like stand there and be like, please don't throw sticks at me. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I love. Other than that, I love teaching, man. I just think it's it's a it's an interesting thing. Like and kind of the other thing I think maybe I've been kind of fixated on like when I saw that because the funny thing is I didn't know who I was talking to today so like I kind of had some ideas of like some stuff so like when I saw it I was like well if I end up talking to Evan maybe I'll talk to him about teaching and you know teaching drums and so forth because you know like I said it's anybody who gets to a point where they're like oh I'm I'm good now I I know how to do what I want to do um I think is, you know, obviously severely lacking in, in being able to grow beyond uh, themselves and their skill set and what they can do. Um, but I also just think it's, it's an interesting thing because as people, you know, teaching people how to do something that they are interested in, you know, I feel like has to give you an, a new appreciation for something maybe that I don't want to say that your passion for it has, has dwindled or fizzled out, but it's like, I think there, we all go through phases of burnout or it's just like, this is the thing I do. And all right, like, let's, let's do it again. Um, but I, I do feel like there's also gotta be like just that thing where it can reinvigorate your passion for the thing. It can reinforce why you love, you know, if you're a guitar player, vocalist, whatever it can, you know, inspire you again. Plus you're kind of being able to maybe like 
get back to the purity of why you started doing this in the first place, because you're, you're starting from literally someone's foundation. You're giving them that foundation of what will possibly be with them for the rest of their life. Like maybe yeah. be in a band and they'll never take it any further than just, you know, I play drums or I play guitar in my own house for the fun of it, but you still give them that outlet. Like, because you were able to help teach them and start their journey. I don't like you now are responsible for, you know, feeding a lifelong passion for them. Yeah, absolutely, man. I That's what I enjoy most about it too, is uh, being able to give someone some an outlet. Maybe they like, don't like sports or like they don't, and they can't figure out what they like to do. They're at that age where they're like, man, dude, I hate, I hate everything. Cause like I, <laughs> and like maybe drums, it's like what, inspires them to like not go fucking rob a store or some shit you know what i mean or like some fucked up shit or like i encourage it like me it kept me out of trouble dude like that was another big thing like playing drums growing up kept me out of trouble you know i i i was always getting into something man um and that was really kind of like what gave me structure discipline you know and some people need that too and like and then others it's an emotional thing like you you could be depressed and like, it's, it's literally like helps you with depression. There's a lot of ways to look at it. And, uh, with teaching, I like to also teach like about playing in a band, like in recording too. I'm like, dude, when you, when you're going to record, you know, you got to be able to like do these certain things. And like, so it's easy for you and you don't have to worry about it by the time you, you, you get to that point. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, absolutely. It's awesome to be able to teach, people things that i wish i had known back then when i was coming up you know and i'm still learning too man like it that's another thing i like to tell people like like you were saying like don't get too comfortable man um because like you're always going to be learning you're always going to be getting better and there's always going to be someone better than you and there's always everyone's good at different things it's all about finding what you're good at and perfecting that and uh what works for you like you know you gotta listen to your to your brain you know your your mind and your body too like you gotta be like hey i got long arms maybe i should like play something that like that would be good for you know like or like <laughs> hey man i like my my double kicks or my single kicks are are like super quick so like i'm gonna like get into metal and like or like Rock, you know rock music or any you know crazy shit uh or like some dudes like to swing so it's like i play you know big band and stuff um you know i think it's awesome just i think it's like paying it forward dude you know it's like hey i learned like i was there i want to help out now and i i don't want to do the things like that negative i don't want to do the things that negatively affected me learning hmm. I, I can like take i i learned from those i learned what to do and what not to do you know and i like to be able to go back and like no one's perfect but i like to like encourage my students you know and like i give them breaks like if if it burning out like you were talking you're about not, you're not whiplashing them and beating them with <laughs> when i when i first started uh teaching i would like I just didn't think about it. I would like make a kid like play for 45 minutes without stopping. Mm. And, and like, cause that's what I did. That's, that's what I was right. doing. And I was like, Oh shit, wait, 
like, oh man, I can't teach that way. Like these kids are going to hate it. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> and it, it took me a minute to like, so it's like, and so everyone learns differently again, bringing that back up. But, uh, um, yeah, man, I, uh, and recording is something I love too. Uh, I've never recorded like our records or anything. I've always, you know, just done demos for this record, but I've been like experimenting with recording and recording on records for years. So like I, I got more serious about recording in the last few years. And uh, if people want like snare hit samples or like from like a real person, I'd like right. to send people stuff like that. Like, you know, cause I got the space for it now and the gear for it now. So figure out, I might as well make use of it, you know? Um, but that's, that's the dream, man, is to be able to just, I'd like to get a point in my life where just tour and teach and that's it. You know? I mean, that's, that's, I've just been teaching while we haven't been touring. I'm ready Hmm. to, I am ready to get back out and play myself. You know what I mean? (laughs) Um, but I'll always teach, man. Something you had said earlier about how, you know, you had kind of found drumming and it gave you a sense of purpose and kind of discipline kind of want to dive back into that. If you don't mind, what is, what was it about drumming that kind of, I guess, steered you toward it versus any other direction you could have gone. And was it more of, I mean, it sounds like it was just really an outlet that allowed you to probably exert if yeah. I had to take it, take a guess, because as someone who's been trying to learn drums somewhat recently, again, it's a thing where sometimes like when I'm like mad or had like a shit day, it's kind of nice just to go down and beat on something. Exactly. Dude. Play along to the music. That's like kind of getting out like the anger or whatever, like, you know, even oddly, sometimes when I'm in that same mode, I'll kind of go into something more like R and B leaning or hip hop leaning. Cause yeah. like, the fucking kick drums are like, so like, they're just so like punchy, like it's just, and like real quick sometimes too. So it just, it's a pocket, it's a feel, it's got some swagger, it's got some attitude. And like, to me, it's like, sometimes like if I'm feeling kind of a little bit like in a shit mood, like that, those either direction. And so to me, I, I think it's, a thing where when I hear you say like it gave you discipline, it, it's kind of, you know, where you went when instead of doing like going down and doing bad, bad things. Like to me, I feel like maybe when I hear that the underlying thing I'm hearing from you and I'm probably putting words in your mouth, but as someone who, like I said, has been trying to learn drums, I feel like it's probably something where you identified with it. Cause it was an escape and an outlet and a, and a place where you can get out your aggression in a non-violent manner. Yeah, I mean, just like shit, man. Like me and my buddies used to like just like there was this uh there was this neighborhood that the hospital actually bought out. Hmm. Um like the local hospital. So like the neighborhood was like the whole neighborhood was like abandoned for a while, right? So when we were teenagers, you could just go in these houses. It was weird. There was still like food in the pantries and stuff. <laughs> it was all, all like abandoned. And there were like ghost stories about it, but it was actually just like the hospital bought the neighborhood to expand, you know what I mean? <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't torn it down yet. Uh, right. So we would go in there and just like, 
bash windows out and like you know it didn't matter because it's all getting torn down anyway but like i would have been doing shit like that all the time and uh it also gave me just it's not that i was like i wasn't like a criminal or anything but i just like doing i thought it was fun you know i thought destructive stuff was fun at the time when i was a kid and uh drums they gave me that and like the different kind of music like you're talking about when you're feeling different ways. Uh, that's how I, that's what I tell people how to play. I'm like, go off what you're feeling emotionally. Like when you're like an angsty teenager, like you're going to play faster, man, and heavier. And like, you know, want to like, like with me, it was like, dude, if it's not heavy, it sucks. When I was like a teen, you know, when I was a t- so like, and now I'm like chilled out and I'm like, dude, just give me like some, like, I don't want to play anything like super fucking fast. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like, yeah. it's like, uh, uh, more feel now. Uh, but it's, it's good. Like you're saying to like, use your, your emotions and stuff to like put to play. Like, however, you know, express that. And drums are very good for that. I mean, every instrument is the drums, especially because you can really like, I mean, hit the shit out of them. You know, like you're saying, like, and you don't have to worry about it. That's like, that's what you got to do. Um, yeah, man, it, I wasn't really, I wasn't violent growing up. I just like breaking shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was like, <laughs> I liked like that kind of stuff, man. Throwing rocks at stuff or like light something on fire. Or, or <laughs> I mean, that sounds horrible. No, yeah, I mean like, that's that's what young men do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so like and once I started playing like my first band actually was a metal band and we were like man we started playing shows when we were like 14, you know, I, like even like we started doing like regional stuff and like we couldn't drive yet. So I, like my dad <laughs> my dad would like drive us to Tennessee it, from Georgia to like play a show and we'd like be playing with all these older bands and they'd be like, who the fuck are these little kids (laughs) with their parents uh, dropping them off? But like, we played well for that age so that we like the older dudes like, okay, cool. You know, (laughs) like I remember it was hilarious, dude. Like one time uh, the masquerade down here in Atlanta, like the dude, Mm -hmm. Tim Sweetwood's awesome, man. He's actually the dude that started uh, shaking knees down here, that big festival. Um, But he used to book the masquerade. He was like the only dude, that would respond to me at like 14, 15 years old to like book a show. And he would put us on like opening at, like he put us on a cannibal corpse show one time. <laughs> and uh, we were like, I think by that time we were probably like 16, but that was like, it was super awkward in load in because like these dudes were like, why the fuck are these, these kids on the show? Like what the hell is going on here? But then we, you know, we, we, pl- I, like we let our our play and do the talking, man, and we we gained respect. That's why I always tell people too: let your play and do the talking. You know, don't don't go run your mouth. Like, don't get mad at someone. Like, don't start shit. Just like, do your best, and like you'll you'll get hazed for a little bit if you're young, but you know you'll get that respect if you just stick at it. You know what I mean? So I think the one one thing I've learned just by being surrounded by musicians and even like when friends will come over and grab a guitar and play or whatever. It's funny. Cause I feel like it's, it's such a, 
it's such a, like an example of just like life, how we always want the thing that we don't have. Um, and I think it's funny. Cause like when you play with somebody, there are times like, you know, I'm more of a dominant, like right hand kind of a person. I think it's cause I'm more rhythmic based anyway, but yeah. it's funny. Cause when I see people who are a lot more like intricate with like finger picking and doing a bunch of other stuff, I'm like, Oh man, I wish I could do that. And I could, if I practiced it, but it's not really a thing that ever like, when I am playing something, it's never like, let me practice finger picking and all yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. Of stuff. Yeah. But the funny thing yeah. is, is like when I play and it's more kind of like, a, like, you know, James Hetfieldy kind of like just chugging right hand dominant, you know, it's more rhythmic based. A lot of people are like, man, I wish I could pick like that. And I'm like, really? Yeah. This, this seems stupid, like stupid fucking caveman. Anyone can do it type shit. But it's funny because it's, it kind of always showcases to me that it's like, you know, what you may think and what you may want from somebody else's like list of uh, achievements or things that they have learned how to do. Someone else might feel the same way about you. And you're just like, Oh, I don't don't think I'm that great. But like, it just kind of goes to show that like no one has everything and everyone always kind of wants the thing that they don't have. And and it's kind of an equalizer, I think in not only in in being a musician, but kind of in life too. Cause yeah, it's uh it's just interesting to kind of notice like i mean you could even take it's like hair people who with long hair want short hair people with short hair want long hair people with curly hair want straight hair like you know it just everyone wants what they don't have or what they don't possess and no one's ever happy uh essentially is what it boils yeah. down so it's interesting to just even kind of see that um and then social even the media times- i think's made that a little worse because- i feel like the odd thing is is yeah. it should have made it more more it should have made everyone realize like how very similar we all are but i feel like it has created because i feel like in the beginning more people i think were more honest it's honestly why i like twitter a lot more than i like any of the other social media because i think like like there would be people when i first started twitter when it had first started over you know a decade or so ago that i remember i had friends that were on facebook and, and instagram and whatever and it'd be like you'd get like a vague Facebook post and then they'd go to Twitter and it would be a hundred percent what they were thinking and feeling and maybe not mentioning names, but it's like, Oh shit. Okay. Now I know what really is going on. And I feel like it's interesting to even have seen how social media has adapted per the platform of, of what people are willing to share because I feel like, and that's the thing why I don't, I, I sound like an old man saying this. I don't understand TikTok because I, don't understand it's like singular purpose which i guess it doesn't have to have one oh but it's same like, man same here i i've tried to understand i still <laughs> understand. well because like when everyone shows me shit it's like it was dances and i'm like okay well i don't dance yeah and then it's like no but it's it's comedy and i'm like so it's for comedians and they're like no and then it's making comments on something like you, you duets or whatever the fuck those things are called and I'm like, man, I don't, I don't get it. I don't get what this thing is for. Like, <laughs> man, the best social media platforms for bands was back in the day. Pure Volume, remember that shit? Did you ever oh, yeah. hear? And no. the MySpace Bandcamp. band pages, yeah, back in the day, because you could have your fucking shit that you want to say. You could have your music, your photo, all your video, all in the same thing. You know what I mean? So, but now it's like. It's confusing as hell, dude. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, and and you got to, I mean, you got to like understand it a little bit as a band because like you got to like adapt, you know, if, if that's how people find out about shit now, 
like shows and stuff got to get with the program and try it you know but i do miss word of mouth and like magazine <laughs> and like days like that but man you just gotta the reality is that shit's that's not how it is anymore you know and uh i've been trying to learn more just for the benefit of the band to like be able to promote better through social media and stuff like that and uh i think it's almost like if you use it the right way it's awesome but it can be abused in so many bad ways too you know what i mean um yeah i think uh i don't know that's yeah it's great it's like a double-edged sword i think you know well i feel like i get to the point where like I'm torn because I feel like, you know, I grew up, we, I grew up, whatever, in an era where it's like outside of whatever press bands opted to do. They didn't really have access to them 24 hours a day. And the flip side of that even is too, is like as someone who really enjoys like, like making up documentaries and like those things when they, they were pretty big, like in the late nineties, early two thousands with CDs and so forth. It's a thing where, you know, I, I kind of feel like those, those making of albums are like when a band was kind of breaking, you know, and you would get like a, a 30 minute, like something, uh, you know, DVD, like on the repress or whatever. And it was kind of following them during the release of that album or something. Yeah. And it always gets weird because I feel like that was kind of the beginning of like feeling like you knew these people because like you're kind of getting introduced to their world. They're like the inside jokes maybe that they had as, as a band at the time uh you know whatever it's a, it's a very insular snapshot of who they were at that particular point beyond the music which is the same thing it's a it's an audio snapshot of who they were and the experiences they went through over the course of the la- before the last record but i feel like it was the beginning of us feeling like we we were owed maybe the 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 access to, to our favorite bands, because, you know, without us, you wouldn't have the career. You wouldn't get to do these things. You wouldn't have these experiences. And I feel like it created kind of this sense of like, like I said, it, we're owed, we're entitled to you. We're entitled to you at all times. And then when social media started becoming a thing, you know, going back to the MySpace, what was cooler than potentially if you were a fan and got into a band's like top eight or something like that, which typically it was just the bands they were touring with. Um, but it's yeah. like, I do you remember on occasion, like, especially when you were like smaller bands, it's like the top fans or whatever of like a local band or a smaller band would be in their top eight. And it was kind of like this badge of honor. But I feel like, like I said, that was kind of the beginning of now we're in like Instagram, Twitter, you know, eras and so forth. And it's like, everyone has personal pages and you can be DM'd. You can be like, have a bunch of people reaching out to you at all hours of the day. And it's like, that's not normal. Yeah, and not. you know now we're starting to get into the thing of like how much is too much and how how little interaction should we actually have with these people and potentially on a way bigger scale how is it possibly going to impact the art that you all are making because of an interaction maybe you're having with someone good bad or indifferent and is it a good thing and i still think the jury is kind of out on it. Um, I mean, being into sports, you know, something I've talked about with some other people is, you know, we, we, we love 
as fans of things, and I'll, I'll say it applies to music, sports, whatever, even, and I'm not going to say religion, but, you know, we love to debate things. We love to kind of make things into like with sports, this era of basketball, you know, when Michael Jordan came up in the eighties the into nineties, that was as good as it ever was, or this player is the best ever. And something when comparing, you know, we'll say the Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, LeBron James debate, you know, the one thing I've said that like the first two really didn't have to deal with was 24 hour news cycles and expectations out the jump. LeBron yeah. is one of the first people who literally from high school had his games televised, had social media, had news coverage on him almost every single day. Michael Jordan, and we saw it in the last dance documentary, he had final cut over everything. He got to still push the narrative that he wanted out just as yep. he did when he was playing because that's how the media was back then. It was based on approval of either the person, the team, management, whomever. And Kobe pretty much was in that same era where he he started to see some of it toward the end of his career, but by and large was still a part of that. If I don't want to be involved in it, I don't have to be. Yeah. And so I can't say enough about how different those two players careers would have been, especially knowing now that like Michael is kind of a notorious gambler. It's like how out of proportion and how blown out would that have been? How would it have affected him playing games where, Hey, I know he was out gambling until 5 a.m. the next day and he had a game at 10 and he played like shit and they lost. That's on Michael and things like that. It's like, what would that have done to that person? And I, I can't help but think about what does it do to, I guess literally everybody, but more so, you know, band people and stuff like that. Like we've opened Pandora's box. You can't close it, but I do wonder there would be what the world would be like if we didn't have access to all, all of these things or even vice versa. Maybe if some of you didn't have access to literally push up a button and now you're going live in front of however many of your fans and then it can be screenshot and taken when all you're trying to do is just blow off some steam or just vent essentially into the void it's all in context too i mean like i don't think i think a lot of it's unfair um everyone's human man everyone makes mistakes i think now every it's like you're saying you you can't you just got to be careful i mean but everyone's everyone's fucked up and has issues (laughs) in some way you know what i mean um yeah I think for bands, I don't talk about politics or anything like that because, like, I don't think that should be a part of music, man. That's just how I've always felt. Like, music's celebration, man. If, like, let's come together, let's hear something awesome, let's have a good time, let's fucking see something cool, let's be inspired, let's, like, let our emotion out, you know? Not, I mean, teach it. You know, everyone's got their their shit. That's just my personal opinion. But uh, I think a lot of the social media like stuff's unfair because I think everyone struggles mentally sometimes. Everyone, uh, unless you're just straight up doing something horrible or saying something just fucking horrible, (laughs) right? I mean, to where it's like a what? Uh, you know what I mean? But uh, like. Some people have substance abuse issues and addiction issues and need help. And like, they just don't have the help they need. And it's sad, man. And shit like that happens. And like, you know, that's, that's the way I I don't think it's fair for someone to try to ruin someone's entire career 
when the, the person trying to ruin their career has their own fucking set of issues too. Unless, like I said, it's like, wow, that that dessert, that's fucked up as shit. You know what I mean? Right. Like, like, and I'm not even going to go into detail of what my opinion of the fucked up things would be, <laughs> but um, I think I do miss the mystique bands used to have without it, social media. I got to say that, like, you know, when you were a kid, you go to a concert and like, that's the only time you'd see a band member do a band doing anything other than like in a music video, you know what I mean? Yeah. Or like a live concert. Now it's like, you can see like what someone is like eating and like, you know, at the, or like, you know, it's like, I don't, I, it's funny because as you're saying that, the first thing that pops into my head, and it's such a weird thing to always think of, but like, I remember like when you'd see a, like a video of a band, like for the, like the first single or something, and it's the video, and then you're going to go see them in a couple of months. And like you said, you don't see any photos pretty much of them in any capacity because like the internet really didn't exist. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh man, so-and-so's got long hair now. Yeah. Or like so-and-so's gained weight. <laughs> And you're like, like, dude, that dude fucking likes the same kind of toilet paper I like, man. Sure. You know, you're like, I don't, just like. But it's wild to like think about that, like day and age of like you don't see anything of this band, and when you see little nuances of just life happening to somebody, like, oh, they grew out their hair. Yeah, that fucking happens when you don't cut it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's it's weird to like remember those things. Where you're like. Oh man, since like the video and the album press, like this person cut all their hair off or this person grew their hair or got a new tattoo or whatever, like just weird things you would notice. And it's like, I don't, I mean, probably because a, like people will post those things now, but like, and yeah. like you said, there's the Instagram stories and all that kind of stuff to keep the vehicle of the eyes on and the a, thing going, but it's, it's still weird bands. just thinking about that. Oh, it's totally weird. And a lot of stuff with bands is all that shit was like, either like a lot of those pictures you, were just like taken like a year ago or like it's like it could have been from like 10 years ago and people think it's from like today it's just it's like when people on social media like post a picture like hanging in thailand or something and they're like just like in their like kitchen but they just like made it look like you know what i mean it's like yeah the eye you know there's definitely the the whole like it's funny a friend of mine and i we are in this like thing where we'll take photos sometimes and like she, she and i will talk about like uh like i'll like she's like oh i went on this trip and i i haven't posted this thing over my trip but like oh I, you know we're talking about it so here's like this photo and i'm like oh that's cool and then she'll maybe end up posting about it like a month later and i'm like yeah. jesus christ it's been like two months since you did that trip but you're and she's like i know i just got busy and i forgot and i go i mean same like it's now like been a uh, almost two months since we were out in out west and like utah and vegas and so forth and the photos i took when we were in zion national park i haven't done anything with i haven't posted and i'm just like should i just delete these at this point like <laughs> yeah. like what's the point of keeping them like i mean i remember them but like the likelihood of me just staring at them anymore it's like the i feel like the quote-unquote moment of posting these has been gone because i already posted some photos i was really proud of taking when we were in salt lake at the antelope islands and i'm just like Neh. but it's weird because it's like you get to that point where i think at times something that seemed important was but then time just goes by and then you're just like is it important now does it still mean 
as much as it did in the time, maybe it's not worth really posting because then it creates this weird thing. Like you're saying where you're like, dude, you were in Utah like three weeks ago or three months yeah. ago. Why are, why are you posting about it now? Well, it's like, fucking, I, I don't you're know. Alaska, you're fucking <laughs> Nepal right now, dude, you're in Nepal. Yeah. Or like, yeah. You know, uh, my guy, you're sitting right next to me. I'm sitting next to you as you're posting that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's it's and and when you think when you think like deep, I like I like that you think that deep in it because like you start to realize like how silly everything is. You know what I mean? Well, I think that's like the thing too with you know like I it's funny because I love I always love talking to drummers because I feel like we're it's a thing where they're so aware of things because they, you know, they are the backbone of a band. They have to keep time. So they have to be very present, but also it becomes this thing where when you're kind of in it, there's also kind of getting, I mean, just like any musician, really, you kind of get lost in it too. But it's funny because I, I talk a lot with different people about them. Like, like I said, as my journey of kind of re trying to learn how to play drums, it's interesting because I feel like we're, we're a very, cerebral type of people were very like in our own heads about shit. And I go, and it's funny. Cause like when you, when you nail something or when you get something going down, it, it feels really good. Cause it's like drumming is one of the few things that, you know, guitar playing and stuff like that. You have to be ambidextrous, but like drumming is one where it literally takes all of your limbs kind of working independently from one another, or it, as long as you can get them to do that, that's the point. Yeah. But it gets interesting because like, there'll be times where, like when playing something like there's a couple of different songs where like, I know a fill's coming and I'm like, fuck, I always fuck this fill up. And then it throws off the rest of my timing and it, and then I'm already in my head before that part comes. Okay. When I get done with this, I need to like get ready to go. Or maybe I'll try hitting, you know, this, uh, my hi-hat with my left hand, which doesn't feel comfortable, but when I watch other people play and they play with their left hand, it allows their right hand to start leading on a fill yeah. to where then you're now over on the right hand side, hitting the crash, your you know, left hand's back on the snare. You know, the, the idea is to be as ambidextrous and be able to be fluid with your movements as possible to not make them feel jilted or whatever, and just be precise. But it's interesting when you start trying to do all that, you're like, am I just making this more complicated, trying to figure out the easiest way to play this and make it smooth and I'm just in my own fucking head about this one part versus doing what usually makes it happen and be more fluid, which is not thinking about it, just being in the moment, just fucking going for it. And I feel like drumming is kind of one of those great examples of like it's skill, but it's also just kind of letting go. Yeah. And it's a great analogy metaphor of life of like sometimes when you keep overthinking the thing the failure keeps happening because all you're doing is fixating on if i fail if i fail this part i keep failing on that that's going to be the same thing that keeps happening because it's all you're thinking about but your success is when you're not thinking about it and you're just in the moment and you just do and you react and i think that's something as i've as i'm learning to play drums again now like i said almost being 40 and even having like therapy stuff to kind of go back off of it's like, I find that there's so much like life lessons in drumming because oh, it's absolutely. like, like I said, just the fact of like, be present, go for it. Don't overthink it. Like you can apply that to so many things in life. And I think if people are constantly their own in their own head and cause their own problems and just don't realize it. It's dude, you're right. It's a, you got to think outside your bubble and that's all that is. I mean, uh, exactly. Like I'm the same way. If I think about a part that I've never fucked up ever, I'm going to fuck it up. <laughs> you know I mean? like which i've done it 
like I've done it. Like Josh is like, dude, you're fine. You played it a thousand times. And I'm like, am I going to, and it's like, what am I doing? You just gotta get, you know, Hey man, I know this. I've done it. But yeah, you're right. If you think about it too hard, you fuck it up. You know what I mean? Uh, it's, it's hard, man. It's hard to get yourself to that point. Um, medication does it for me. <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, I have horrible OCD and anxiety. Hmm. Always have. Uh, I mean, I used to, on tours 10 years ago, I would tune my fucking drums up until our set, like like nonstop for hours, dude. Like, mm. to where I was just like, it's not right. Josh is like, it sounds the same. <laughs> you know what I mean? Sounds the same. Be like, sounds the same every time. <laughs> like, and like, you know, it, it's all, I think a lot of that comes with time too. Like, you just got to say, fuck it, man. Whatever happens, happens. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And you just can't have any expectations in life. I, I, I mean, that's like, that's like, so, that's so fucked to say, but like in a positive way, you know what I mean? I mean, it really is that simple. I mean, and that's the thing, like, you know, kind of saying like my overanalyzing brain where I'll think something to death. Um, I realize it's a thing where a lot of times I just got to get out of my own way and I got to just kind of let something be and whatever is going to happen is going to happen. And I just kind of need to, to, you know, again, that was the thing for therapy for me. Like when we kind of got beyond what I thought I was going for and kind of getting to a more of a core of the the issue, it was a lot of the like imposter syndrome, not feeling like I was good enough for the things that were the good experiences and things that have happened in my life. And then also thinking, trying to be so prepared that I'm thinking and solve, I'm thinking of problems and then trying to solve a problem that literally does not exist and probably never will. And it's funny. Cause I remember after like the, I think the second or third session, two things happened that were kind of like big, like triggers where I was like, Oh shit, this is what therapy is all about. Yeah. And one was doing the podcast. And instead, like I used to write out full fucking like questions. I would essentially have a full conversation with somebody and write it all down so and then i would be like okay this question can't go here because that's weird because i didn't really set it up so i literally i would have like a full conversation in my head with a person and then i would just stick to that almost like a script and part of me is like it's nice to to have that because it it allows me to you know kind of really focus on what i want to say and and like are these questions good because if i'm going to take the time to write them down you're not just going to you're going to write bullshit and then be like, you know what? That's good enough. I'm going to, I'm going to ask that. But I also realize that's not how real interactions are with people. You're not going to meet someone for the first time and be like, okay, I have six questions. Here we go. Um, yeah. You're not going right. to have that. And then the, the adverse. So like when doing the podcast, I did it with uh, this gentleman and we talked for like an hour and a half and just talked about some real shit. And I was just like, damn, like that's, that's what, it should be at all times. Like it, I should feel comfortable doing it after so many years of being able to just talk to someone and see where a conversation goes and letting it happen because that's, that's what it is. That's how people interact and communicate yeah. with each other. Um, and then the second one was like a couple of days after that podcast episode, my car just like broke down in the middle of, you know, here at downtown Grand Rapids, like on our busiest road on a Friday lunchtime. And I started like, freaking out as one kind of would but i was like i caught myself going like fuck how much is this gonna cost what could it be and yeah 
you know, all these things that are, are reasonable thoughts to have to have in that moment. But I was like, all right, address what I can deal with right now. Okay, yeah. I need to get I need to get a cop or someone behind me so someone doesn't just hit me because they're not paying attention. Um, then I need to call a tow truck. Then I need to probably call my wife to figure out uh, either a ride wherever we're going. Uh, actually, before that, I was like, I need to figure out where I'm sending the car to. Then I need to call my wife to come probably pick me up. And then I'll just deal with everything when I get more information. Yeah. And it was a thing where it's like I had the like 25 seconds of normal me mode of like, oh, my God, everything sucks. And let's just solve and like think of all the worst things and try to solve them right now. Yeah. To then therapy brain kicking in and it goes, okay, let's figure out what I need to deal with right now. And to me, like it's an invaluable thing. Um, You know, I constantly talk about therapy on this show and just I think it's it's invaluable when you learn how to deal with yourself, how to kind of get out of your own way oh, yeah. and deal I've with things in real time. I encourage it, man. I feel like everyone needs it, whether they know it or not. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. It helped me the same way it helped you. Like, just like, I mean, I have, I still struggle with it. I mean, it's, I don't, you know, uh, but it's like, yeah, you're right. Fucking like, car breaks down fucking all right this is what happened let's figure it out i'll fucking just it sucks but i'll fucking worry about it later you know I, i'll get it done and then work, then be upset you know yeah <laughs> um, or like it's tough sometimes though, man it it's like that with instruments too you know and bands dude i've seen so many bands like show up to a show and no one's there and they're like, man, fuck this shit, dude. This is, <laughs> this is bullshit. And they're like on stage with their uh, arms crossed, like saying, and you're like, man, you, you should not be doing this. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, <laughs> you're like, if that's the way you are, man, you, should, you need to just like try to do something else. Yeah, yeah. Do a different career. Cause like sometimes you can't win them all. And like that one dude or two dudes, you know, that dude and his wife, they're here. They might have driven, you don't know how long to come to the show. Or Absolutely. they might have been waiting for it for months. And, like, you don't fucking take that for granted, man. You know what I mean? So it's that's the way I feel. I think one of the biggest examples of that that I saw where I was like, man, it even happens at this level. And just kind of, again, putting something into a perspective of where you're just like, huh. I remember going to see, I randomly, we came back from a tubing trip with some friends and then uh, uh, filter and fuel were playing uh, in town at like a venue here that no longer exists, but it's like a, like 22 2200 cap room. Um, And so we were like, Oh shit, let's go. And there was maybe a hundred people there. And I remember this dude during a fuel set, just like, uh, the singer Brett was talking about something. And then this drunk dude just like play shimmer. And he just like Brett just like stopped. He goes, dude, this is clearly a quality over quantity type show. <laughs> so he goes, we'll get there. But like, you know, this is, this is kind of a moment for everyone. Like the, uh, clearly there's not a lot of people here and we want to kind of make it as special for those that came. Yeah. 
That's and, awesome. And and I just kind of love the fact that it's like he addressed that it's like, yeah, the attendance on this is less than desirable. But instead of us, like we could have probably packed it up and just been like, fuck it, like we're not playing to this. That Dude, it's it like just- yeah, man, like I mean, it just showcased more who they were and that they wanted to make all of us that were there, like just have more of a personal experience. And I remember even like that with the filter dudes, like when they were done, they're like, yeah, like there's not a lot of you guys here. So like we're going to like just book it to the front uh, area where merch is. And if you want something signed or whatever, like come fucking hang out with us. Exactly. That's the way and, to do it, man. That's why that those bands have been are still doing it, you know? Yeah. Um, I 100 percent there with you. Uh, it's because you never know, man, like that person there, I mean, could have been like thinking about doing something stupid or something. And like, they saw your show and like, maybe it like helped them through it. You know what I mean? Or like, or like, you know, it's a, I would be pissed if I want to see one of my favorite bands that acted that way. I'd be like, fuck this band. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to. I mean, there's different scenarios and situations, but like, still, man, you play, you play your heart out for the people there to see you because they have nothing to do with the promoters. They have nothing to do with the clubs. They have nothing to do with, you know, anything like that. They just want to see you play, man. You know? Yeah. So that's awesome. That's why I think, I think the other thing too is perspective. I think at times, like, you know, someone, there was a while ago, like, at the height of this podcast, it's like, you know, we were, I was pulling, I always say we, I was pulling in, you know, almost 15 to 18,000 downloads a month. And it's like, now it's, you know, probably in like 3000, maybe four on a good month, depending on who the guest is their guests, I should say. And it's a thing where it's like, for a while, I was like, kind of really like getting like bummed out by it. I'm like, where the fuck did all these people go? And I, I remember having a, a friend of mine who does a, a, another podcast as well. He was like, well, even think about it like this. 100 people, let's say like 100 is the, like the average of every episode. If you were to like go into your backyard right now and there's 100 people waiting to hear you talk, you'd be pretty fucking stoked seeing that. And I was like, well, yeah. And he was like, so like, just be happy anyone's there. Like when you started this, you didn't think anyone was probably going to listen to you. And I was like, yeah. no. Exactly. And he goes, so like, yeah. just... Like, yeah, like, is it, was it cool that you had like 18,000 people listening every month or 1,800 people listening every month? Like, sure. But like, that happens. It happens to bands. There are bands that like go from playing small, like VFW halls to clubs to, in some cases, arenas and so forth. And then there are bands that like those same bands sometimes, you know, something happens and they come all the way back down. Like, he goes, it is the journey that you go on and it's the journey like that will kind of define whether you're really in it for the right reasons or it's going to showcase that you never really were in it for the long haul and you'll you'll quit and it'll make room for the next person who wants to make it longer and make it their thing. And kind yeah. of really kind of put it in perspective. And it's like now a lot of times like it, it's almost amusing to a degree because, you know, when I get like negative comments about something like on YouTube or whatever, like I'll see him. Uh, and like now, like the other day, someone commented on a video because I talked too long in the intro and I was like, sorry, I made you hit fast forward on something that cost you absolutely nothing. You clicked on it. I didn't make you have a good day. Well, that means you're making progress, man. It, sure. If everyone liked it, that would be so weird. You know what I mean? Like, that's the way I feel about music too. I'm like, 
like uh if you never saw anything negative you'd be like damn i'm not fucking making a point i'm not <laughs> i'm not like it's weird that you want to see at least a, someone every now and then because it lets you you know and like it's, it's just funny too like because you're like dude that's not why i do this you know what i mean because no. I, I love it like you know it's like but that's the way I see it. It's like, hell yeah. Like I piss that data off or I piss, piss them off. Uh, I guess I'm doing something right. You know? <laughs> like, I mean, it's, it's literally the foundation of why I started this show. Cause I got tired of watching other people piss away good opportunities to talk to or interview band people that I really liked. And, you know, I've made that comment all the time. I was like, if you think you can do better than me, fucking, I hope I inspired you to do it. Cause that's literally how I started this. And seven years later, 400 episodes in and all the people I've gotten to talk to and friends I've made from doing this, like you can do it too, dude. Like, or dudes, dudettes, whatever, like women, like anyone can do it if I can do it. And it's, I don't know. It's just, it's interesting because like, I feel like as you start getting into a thing, whatever your thing is, and you kind of start getting your footing and you, I mean, we all latch onto the negative comments. I mean, the, the running joke is you never read the comments, but it's like, I think even in the bad ones, it's like, you know, I'm kind of, a, I used to be more of the mind that I wouldn't comment like on something bad or, or negative or I would. And like, now when I see it, I almost just find it funny. Cause I'm like, like, especially on the one that the person commented on, I was like, dude, there is literally 50, 60, 70 comments or whatever. They're all positive. And by and large, everything is positive. This one dude found the one negative thing to say. And I was just like, no, fuck it. I'm clapping back at you today. Cause like, it's like this thing where it's like, I feel like the opposite side now exists where I'm like, why be like, why, why, if you weren't excited at like, why take the time to be negative? Like it takes more time to be negative. Like you could have just like had that thought and even taking it out of the context of the internet, but just in general, like instead of shitting on something, why not just be like, okay, I don't like it and just keep it yeah. to yourself. Like you don't need to vocalize why you hate something or oh, why sure. you like, you don't like it. If it, it's like, there's so many things. And I feel like that's unless part you of, need, unless it's like something like you got to stand up for. Sure. You know, and like, I see what I you're saying, that, but I think like growing up when I did, it's like, if you don't like something, like not everything has to be for you first and foremost. So secondly, yeah, exactly. like if there's something like, you know, like lost or I, I'm trying to think of like a popular show happening right now. Um, I can't really think of anything. Um, but you know, like when people are like, Oh my God, are you watching this show? No, you're an idiot. You're, you're missing out on the greatest thing ever. Okay. Does it take away from you enjoying it? Cause I exist over here, not watching this thing and I'm yeah. perfect not watching it or being involved in the conversations and it's fine. But like, me telling you that I haven't watched it all of a sudden now makes you feel some type of way about my life choices and whatever. And it's like, it has no bearing on you or how you can or can't enjoy the thing that you enjoy. Like it's fine. And I think that's the thing where as I get older, like it feels like now we just look for ways to be divisive uh, against one another, look for ways yeah. to be upset with each other. And it's like, dude, I just, I don't care. Like, do you like this show? Cool. I think it's garbage or I just literally don't give a shit about it. And that's fine. It's it's okay to have differing opinions on things. Do you like going to church and find religion to be awesome? Cool. If someone else has a differing one or a differing opinion, that's okay. Why not try to why not try to meet on the things you do like and kind of keep the things that we don't off to the side and just kind of focus on what makes us happy. 
And I feel like by and large, if we did that, it would be a lot better place to, to live. Oh yeah, man. I mean, that's the whole, you hope we all get to that point one day. I don't think, I mean, look, I, I guess it's like fruit. It's, I think social media does empower people to hide behind it and say things like really nasty to each other and shit that they wouldn't say in person. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Um, And I think that's fucked up as shit. I think you should never say anything to anybody that you're not willing to say to their face. You know what I mean? Um, But it's so weird, man. Uh, it's it's the world is just an episode of South Park, dude. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You just got to think about it like that, like like the troll episodes. You know, if you've watched that show, the episode where they're like doing the internet trolls, making yep. fun of it. It's like uh, it's exactly what it is. I mean, like you can't. It's gets to everybody sometimes i think because we're we're all human you know but it's all that makes you sad you know it makes you feel sad for a person that's that's just gonna fucking try to rail someone publicly like that unless like it's like freddy Krueger or some shit you know what i mean like someone like that did something like freddy krueger did you know or like shit like that you know like yeah um it's weird it's weird bringing that up as the example i was just talking to someone the other day because being into horror movies or at least growing up liking horror movies you know we were talking about because the evil dead the newer evil dead movie uh that just came out you know they had seen it i haven't yet and i was i haven't seen it either i go it's interesting because like i feel like at least like the first remake or reimagining however you want to call it reboot um kind of stuck to sort of the the original story of the evil dead and just kind of really made it super gnarly and, and more like visceral than evil dead kind of going more of a somewhat comedic horror route. Yeah. And I was like, so I'm interested to see like where this new one goes. Cause it seems like it'll open up the universe beyond what we've known it to always be between evil dead and army of darkness. Yeah. Um, so from that perspective, I think it'll be really cool. And then as we were talking I go, and then they're like, oh, I just I hate all these remakes and so forth. And, you know, it's weird that you, you're seemingly so cool with it. And I go, well, I just I mean, if you're going to do it, like at least kind of make it different. Like we were saying earlier about cover songs, make it different yeah. enough that they've been doing that. And I go like it's funny to me, like with uh, Friday or Nightmare on Elm Street, you know, the funny thing about that movie is like Freddie has become almost like lauded as like one of our favorite horror icons, like like villains. And I go, but when they did the remake and they kind of leaned more into like the whole reason he is who he is, is because he fucking molested children and the parents went and killed him. And then he's seeking revenge again. Like I go, everyone was like, oh, it was too dark. And I'm like, that's what the fucking movie was based on from the jump. They just didn't really like after the the first events of everything, they kind of didn't lean into that anymore. And I go. So it's funny that the thing that upsets everyone about the remake is like, honestly, the origin of why the whole fucking movie exists in the first place. It's like, to me, I'm like, does that speak to something a little bit bigger on where our culture is, where it's like, Oh yeah. Pedophiles. And then all that, I don't like that. And it's like, yeah, that's why he was a fucking evil dude. And they burned him alive. Yeah, like, that's why like, it was so fucking scary. Yeah. You were a little kid. Cause he killed kids, dude. Yeah. And I to just, me, like, he was so that's terrifying the thing that just, when I was a kid, man. 
hundred percent. And that was like the thing to me about the remake that I kind of liked is that they went really hard in on that and that it was more of a revenge story. Like the first one started to be, but then as the franchise kept going, they realized like, Oh, everyone kind of likes that. He's sort of humorous and all this other stuff. And it changed yeah, it, who the character it like was. Pepsi commercials and shit. Yeah. They're like, yeah, put them on Pepsi commercial. Sure. And you're I mean, like, oh, talk about yeah. things that would probably wouldn't fly now in today's, you know, culture but for sure it's dude. Uh, speaking of remakes uh it's gonna sound i mean the wrong turn remake is good the, like the like the uh i know like that's a question like but you just gotta watch it like because like i didn't i don't think i knew they did a remake of wrong turn i thought they i know they i think i stopped watching after the third third or fourth one yeah they get pretty 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 uh yeah questionable but like uh the the new remake like like it's just solid totally different like hmm. solid hardcore shit you know like i was like i was like i, I you know because i i watch i just watch a ton of horror movies just even if they're good or bad i don't care i like <laughs> i like the effects that's the whole thing you know um so i take it you saw terrifier too then i did yeah uh which i don't see the appeal man i i I, it's fucked up, but oh yeah, <laughs> like uh, gore isn't scary to me. You know, I'm like that's it's a, it's definitely a certain uh, era or this like to me. It definitely reminds me of like the kind of that like late seventies, early eighties kind of style of old like B movie horror where it's like we don't really have much of a plot. It's just really horrible things happening to people. And like, that's what we know is going to get people like, Ooh, yeah. Like it, it appeals to that demographic of, of people. It's almost like the trauma films back of like the, that same era of like toxic Avenger and stuff where it's like, it's funny, but campy. And then it's just like horrible violence happening to people. And you're like, oh, all right. <laughs> you're like, uh, they're like, let's see how real we can make it look. And you're like, most people shouldn't ever have to see something like that. <laughs> you know what I mean? But like, but man, yeah. I appreciate the time that's put into making those effects, you know. But uh, yeah, I I um I like some gore, like I like the the Tom Savini type shit. You know what I mean? Okay. Yeah, uh, like Dustal Dawn and some stuff like that. Yeah, because it's like it's it's cool, man. It's like it's like it's like you know, it's it's done right. Uh, and I like like the old Dario Argento gore and shit, like. To where it's like a lot of it's implied, or you see it afterwards. You know what I mean? Um, but uh, that's the scariest shit. Is like when you it's like it implied, and you like see it after. You know, it's it's like ah. Oh. He's like, well, I think that's that's why like movies like The Shining and stuff like that were kind of like more of like the, like uh, even if you go to like uh, the movie The Cell, it's more of like a psychological thriller with tinges of like actual horror thrown in to me like where it's like and i feel like that was like a big thing growing up for me in the early 90 mid 90s like copycat uh with sigourney weaver and yeah Harry, Harry connick jr that's just like, fucked up people a lot it's of people like don't know it's it's slow moving it doesn't seem very scary or anything like that and then it's like when like the third act starts going and then you realize like who the killer the serial killer is and like who's like like there's real danger all of a sudden now everything feels like way heightened and it's like more scary. Cause it's like, yo, this shit's real. Like these yeah. kind of things happen to people. And I think that's why like some of the, the more scariest 
movies like something like saw that's why like you know everyone always kind of shits that i still love the saw franchise and i'm like because the thing never really was about the acting to me and yeah it's like over the top horror and some of the stuff isn't really believable but i was like the thing that like about it always that scared me the most is i'm like people do get kidnapped people do get tortured there are people who are just fucked up and want to see like horrible things happen to people because they're just broken or whatever and the part that's scary about it is and spoilers i guess to at least the original set of uh saw movies is like it all started because of like this dude losing his wife because of like the healthcare system and shit like that and it's like things like that happen to people where like they're down on their luck something bad happens and like corporations or whatever just don't give a fuck and it's like that could be the thing that makes someone snap look at a movie like yeah. falling down like with michael douglas yeah. it's like like there are movies I like that, that and they're fucking traffic man i fucking sure Dude, and like that's the thing that when you watch movies like that to me that I joke are like, about that dude i'm like i'm gonna like, pull a <laughs> yeah because like it could happen it does happen and it's like that's the that's when it gets scary to me is like there's not a whole lot really separating this from especially in today's society now where it's like there's not a whole lot separating this from being like low-key like a not a work of fantasy but a work of fiction yeah I, i'm there with you that's the scare like that's the scariest shit, man. Like that's why uh, Cape Fear is so scary. Oh my god, when he bites you that know? chick's like face. Oh yeah, and he's a creep. It's just like all oh, this shit. It's like that 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 kind of shit's scary, man. Like uh, there's a. It's not really like realistic. I mean, it is like it's it is, but it isn't. But that movie, High Tension, or oh my god, I love that uh, movie. The only yeah. thing that pissed me off the ending. They had it for like a saw like. It's like 90% amazing start to finish. And then that la- the way it ends, I'm like, that's such lazy fucking storytelling. Yeah, that's the And then honestly, thing. by the time it like when that happens, you're just like, dude, then most of this other shit couldn't have fucking happened. Like there's yeah. just no physical way it could have happened. That's what I didn't like about it too. But up until then, I was like, holy like I remember I, I uh watched it by myself the first time, like and uh, I was like, all right, this this was, like, not released here for a while because, like, they didn't want to put it out because it was so fucking violent in France or whatever, you know? Yep. Um, so I was like, okay, cool. I'll watch it, see what the hype's all about. And it was intense as shit the yeah. first time I saw it. Like, And then, yeah, the ending. But it, I, I ended up, like, I still have it. The copy oh, right, it's still, right one, it's still there, probably but, one of my favorite, like, horror movies of the last, like, probably 20 years. But or that I should say it's more of a thriller. That one's so scary up until the end because, like, it's could happen, you know. Yeah. Like, I mean, not the like, but like the dude showing up at your house in the middle. I mean, that's what happened. It should yeah. that's what people that shit's based off. Of. It's fucking terrifying, like that kind of stuff. That's why, like, the Terrifier movie. I don't. I don't see. I think it's like really like I watched the first one too. Like when it first came out. Uh, and uh, the second one I liked more. Yeah, I think it uh, had a better sense of identity of what it was. Yeah, but uh, I, uh, I, th- I think it's incredible. The effects are fucking incredible. But I, I, it's just not my cup of tea. Like it almost like after I watched it, I was like, "Fuck!" And I, I like, I can't eat anything red for like a month, or like, <laughs> you know what I mean? I can't fucking eat anything that resembles anything I saw. Like, like, that's OCD too. Like, when I was a kid, little kid, like, I didn't eat ketchup for, like, fucking Mm. 
my whole life until like I was an adult because it just reminded me of blood. You know, I just like, I just always like, Ugh, you know, <laughs> so dude, but the, as far as like gore movies, like I love the old, like house by the cemetery and shit, man. Like that kind of gore is awesome because it's like, it is more like, it's scarier because they don't show it the whole. They don't, you know what's happening, right? But, yeah, and you see it the aftermath, but you don't like. It's not like watching a snuff film or some shit. You know what I mean? I mean, some of those movies back then, especially like Last House on the Left, or you know, just things like that, like that era of like late mid to late seventies, like they kind of look like B horror movies. But like, I'm yeah. really thinking of like Last House on the Left. Like, I remember watching that because when i started getting into and probably people listening to this are like your dad had very questionable uh things that he let you watch as a child neither here nor there but it's like it's kind of a thing where it's like you know it was always explained like this is you know this isn't real these aren't real people this isn't really happening you know this is for entertainment purposes and, and all that kind of stuff and you know if i ever was scared or whatever we'd stop like i remember watching the, the first terminator and when he starts digging out his eyeball i was like i don't oh, know i'm done yeah. i can't watch and so it was like all right like you know and for a while, it took me a while to like get into some of those movies. But uh, that one, like, I remember that one just being like rough, like even watching it as a, it's still now like that original one. Cause it's like yeah. the rape scenes and stuff feel so real because like how shitty, like the footage is of like the, how they filmed it just with the technology they didn't have. And just like, it feels like a low key, like someone just home video recorded the whole thing and it just, and then yeah. it happened to cut it together and just like, God damn, this thing just feels awful all from every aspect of it. That was um, brutal, man. I, I watched, it's like one of those to me, it's like, I saw it because it was one of the like horror movies that like, was like a landmark. Like, it's like, you gotta yeah. see it. Um, I only watched it once. It's not like something I would go watch again. That's how I felt yeah. about that movie irreversible too. Like, I don't think I've seen that one. Anything with violence against women, I hate, man. I I don't think, like I I, I don't think it should be. You know, people. I don't think it should be. Like when people tell me like their favorite movie is irreversible, I'm like, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what I mean, why, dude? What's wrong with you? Then but again, that, I mean, I'm I'm also the person that lately has been like. You know, I watched Midsommar, <laughs> and I've only seen it the one time, but it has such had such a profound impact on me, and I I have to say it's because I watched it on a laptop on my flight back from Vegas, oh, I'm and sure, so I was yeah. just like in it, like watching it. But like, there's so much of that movie where I was like, I mean, I don't disagree with some of the shit in this movie, like some of the things that happened to people, the way that uh, you know that cult kind of went about living its life. Then there's also completely, you know what, fuck it. There's that movie's been out for so long. I don't feel weird, like quote unquote spoiling it. I mean, one of the biggest, two of the biggest takeaways for me come from a religious standpoint of sorts. One where it obviously opens up with the people, I think it's 65, where they kill themselves. Uh, 65 is when you're done. You know that that's the end of your life. Yeah. You know, typically you're in good, you know, it's before you're on the decline uh, in your physical and mental health. Um, so from that perspective, I was like, oh, I, I kind of do like that idea because we see as our society has been able to allow us to, to age and get older and stay healthier longer. It's like, that's great. But really, what is it doing in the long term? Like is being alive to be like 90, a hundred where you really like, don't really have your mental capabilities about you. You're kind of just essentially a shell of yourself. It's like, is that living? Um, 
You can debate I'm that right on either side. I hate to cut you off. Let me go. I'm going to go pee real quick. I'll be right back. Yeah, you're good. I'm, I'm sorry, man. Hold on. I'll be right no, you're back. good. No, you're good. So sorry about that, dude. No worries. I was trying to hold it. I was like, dude, should I just piss my pants? I was like, no. Worries, no. <laughs> no. You know? I was like, but luckily, living out here in the country, man, I, it's stoked. Step stoked. outside. Let's go pee outside, dude. That's the thing. Yep. Yeah. So, um yeah but no to kind of pick back up where i where i was finishing my thought but it's like there was that aspect of midsummer that i really kind of fucked with and it's like stayed with me where i'm like maybe there's there's not a, a bad side to that and the other one as weird as it is is i really just kind of it really left a lasting impact on me the fact that the person who kind of gave them their insight for their, how they went about their religion was someone who was, you know, mentally handicapped because they were pure. They, they could see, uh, cause they hadn't been inundated with, you know, the brains that we have that kind of make us do things from an impure perspective or something to that effect. Yeah. And I remember when they kind of showed that I was like, and because I saw Midsommar first and then I went and saw Hereditary. So I saw him out of order. But I did yeah. kind of pick up on the fact that between both movies, essentially, people with mental handicaps were looked at almost as these beings that had ties to another realm of the world that we we don't see. You know, in, in Hereditary, it was kind of the key between you know, the grandmother and the, the, you know, Satanists and all that kind of stuff. And the, the yeah. other side of like uh, the pagan rituals and so forth. And then in Midsommar, it was more that they were the people that could understand God's teachings and so forth. And that they were, you know, they were more pure in that they would just see what, you know, God wanted and all this kind of stuff. And to me, like, I just really kind of latched onto that. Cause I was like, that is a really interesting take on it. And also I kind of went with my brain, just went a completely different facet with it where I was like, do we also, maybe is it a social commentary about religion where it's like those that follow are essentially kind of, you know, I hate to say like mentally stunted in a negative way, but it's like, they're so blind and so just following this thing that they can't see any other way. It almost has become their, their handicap of sorts. Uh, because they're not able to see anything from a, a what's tangibly in front of them or experience any other teachings or understanding because they're only insulated by the things that they want to see and what they know very much like that cult was it's all they knew was each other. All they knew was what that little civilization had, had been doing. Um, they know nothing of the outside world uh, beyond what they wanted. So it's a very insular take on something it's they're only manifesting and feeding into their own ide ideology and to me when you kind of start thinking about something like that you're just like oh shit like where down the rabbit hole do you want to go with that and what kind of bigger narratives do you want to kind of start dissecting when you can kind of when you start thinking about it like that yeah and uh, like i said i've only seen the movie once but it, it had such a profound impact on me mentally that i just have thought about a lot of things that that movie put in front of us Oh yeah, man, that was a great one. I thought uh, I don't like. I didn't like like the gore. I mean, I don't know. I guess it was necessary in that movie. But uh, in Hereditary or uh, Midsommar? Both. Uh, Hereditary was cool 
I just sorry, I got I'm gonna plug in the charger real quick. No worries. Um, Hereditary was awesome. I just didn't like uh how it turned into the exorcist basically. Almost. <laughs> uh, but up until that, like I was talking about this with my wife. I was like, dude, that would have been so much scarier if it was just like about uh a mother's like decline, you know? Mm. Yeah. Uh but uh yeah, it's just my little space. <laughs> yeah, like, it's, it's an old car, 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 three car shop that I converted. I'm converting mm. and processing to a studio. It's take it's work in progress. But, uh, uh, yeah, I, the whole idea of the pure kid in that movie, unscathed by society and humanity, you know? All the shit we're exposed to is it's pretty crazy. Uh, it's cr- it's so similar to that Wrong Turn remake. There's like, is it? Yeah, it's like. That's why I like. I thought the remake was cool. I won't give it away, but it's not like mutants. You know what I mean? Okay. Now, it's not like that kind of shit. It's like uh concept's pretty fucking cool. I mean, it's still like, you know, a bunch of twenty-somethings getting slash and slasher movie but uh they're not like mutants from the woods it's like different it's more thought it's more thought out it's pretty cool uh i think that's what just to say i think that's what good horror did though is it kind of put a reflection on society so it's like the horrors were the horrors of man like yeah there were some tinges of you know like one that i saw you know kind of speaking to high tension you know, for a while, like some of the best horror I had been seeing was coming from like over in like overseas, like in Italy or whatever. Oh yeah. Um, like a, a really good one. Um, for that was uh, and now I'm totally blanking because I was trying to think of where the movie was made from. Uh, let's talk about high tension. Uh, oh, uh, it was this movie Record, and initially Record is what became uh, Paranormal Activity, I believe. Maybe not Paranormal Activity. Uh, or no, I'm sorry. V- I think maybe it was VHS and then it became record. I don't know. Either way, I think the movie was called record. And then there was like an American version that they made like after the fact. And one of the last iterations of the movie I saw, because it takes place kind of like in this abandoned warehouse, there's like or abandoned building and there it's like found footage type of a movie. And this like doesn't spoil anything. Cause like it's kind of the beginning of like what makes it kind of interesting but like I think it's in the second or third one, they end up going and you find that basically what they have found is almost like a portal into like a, an alternate realm of like, like hell basically. Yeah. And it, it starts going into this like religious tinges of like things. Cause as soon as you start make, mixing like horror with religion in any way, shape or form, like as above, so below, like really did a pretty good job of that. Um, with what they were doing and how they incorporated the idea of like the water and things being flipped around and all that kind of stuff uh, over in, what is it? Paris where the tombs are down underneath um, or the catacombs. I thought was pretty interesting. Um, Obviously like the exorcists uh, or even more to the point, the, uh, um, the movie with Damien. Um, Omen. Omen. Yeah. The first couple of Omen movies are really fucking interesting. Like to me, it's like when you start getting into that, like I said, a lot of it is, almost like I said, taking a mirror and kind of 
just flipping a couple of things and pointing it back to societal or in, in these situations like religious uh, themes and ideologies and such. And it's just like, oh, that's that's scary because it's essentially people turning on each other uh, and bringing out the worst. In it. And that's that's where the real horror is and the real like shock and awe of like what people are willing and able to do to one another uh, starts coming in. And what I think the, the medium is the most effective, but um, it's interesting because a lot of people just think that people like horror because it's blood and guts and all that. And it's like, for me, it's like, I like it when it gets a lot more like mental and cerebral with a uh, same, man. What it's doing. same. Like the, like the changeling and shit, man. Like dude, George C. Wells up in that house getting, you know, kind of going through it. And then, Turns out the house is haunted. Like that kind of shit's awesome, man. You know, like yeah, it's a. I'm I'm right there with you, dude. It's got to be. Uh, it's got to make you think, man. That's why, like, I really, as far as like a newer horror movie goes, that I thought was really well done, uh, was um, House Jack built. Oh, with CM Punk. No, with uh, no, it's with uh, Matt Dillon when he's a serial killer. Oh, okay. I don't think I saw. Obviously, I haven't seen that one because I thought CM Punk was in it. <laughs> um, I liked it up. I, even even though I didn't like the ending so much, I still thought it worked. Like I thought that movie was well. Uh, you should check it out. It's it's rough. It's just it's that uh, Lars von Trier dude. So it's okay. like it's like gratuitous, but like I thought it. I think it's this. I think it's his best movie, man. I, I mean, I, it's fucking weird. It's it's uncomfortable, man. It's freaky. You know what I mean? It's, uh, it's, got, a, that. it's got a lot of cool. Uh, you kids. said it was the house that uh, house that Jack built. Yeah, the house that Jack built, and uh, it's got a lot of cool cameos in it too, from like cool actors and actresses and stuff. Okay, Matt Dillon, and all right. Yeah, I mean, it. At first, I was like, Matt Dillon's playing a. Not a like, dude. My mom would have fallen in love. With, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, <laughs> when I was a kid, or like Dally from the Outsiders is a serial. Mm. You know what I mean? But like, right. he's fucking, he's incredible in it. Huh. I thought it was awesome, man. I uh, just kind of reading the synopsis of it, it seems pretty interesting. It's brutal, man. It, it, it's it's it, it's hardcore, but it's it's. It's not like Terrifier Two to where it's like you're you know what I mean? Like you know, well, it's it's no uh, Midnight Train or what was that? The Midnight Train, Meat Train, Midnight or something Meat like that. Train. Yeah, that was an I, interesting movie. I watched that fucking shit uh, with the dude from The Hangover in it. Yeah, well, yeah. I I watched it because it had uh, Vinnie Jones in it, and I was like, all right, this could be cool. Um, also, uh. If you want a, a good gore movie, I do like is that old uh, Dario Argento movie Trauma. Did you ever see mm. that? Yeah, there was there was like kind of that era of I want to say it was like kind of mid to mid to late two thousands, where like it almost seemed like if you were into any of those kind of movies, like all you were doing was like trying to outdo like your friends were like, "Have you seen this?" And then it's like, "This is the most fucked up thing." Like it's almost like the same journey that like most of my friends went on when we were getting into heavy music. It was like, this is the heaviest thing I have ever heard. Listen to this. <laughs> See, that's what and it then is. that's all you're doing. You're just trying to like out like 
show each other the most fucked up thing. Like I remember watching, like when I found vulgar, like uh, it's not a Kevin Smith movie, but it's part of his uh, like it had, like, I think it was like Brian O'Halloran and a lot of the people from clerks were in it. And yeah. so when I went into it, I was expecting it to be somewhat kind of funny. Cause at that point, I think um, clerks and mall rats were maybe chasing Amy were the only two movies that were out. And I rented this movie from the local theater or from the local uh, like video store. And it was, very uncomfortable uh not a whole lot of humor in it whatsoever and i remember like feeling very weird about it and then i was like you know what i'm gonna make my friends watch this because this is just fucked up and weird and everyone i ever showed it to was like yeah i don't ever want to see that movie ever again like it just no i never saw that <laughs> one i never saw that one i don't i remember hearing the same shit about it. i think that's why i didn't watch it because at that time i was like i don't know if i could take it you know what i mean uh, yeah and then i then there was another time I went on like a major bum out day where I didn't know it, but cause I had never seen kids and I'd never seen gummo or oh, and yeah. spun and spun was the other one. So I, that was my trilogy one day. And I was like the, at the end of all of them, I was like, man, I just don't feel kids good. Is, kids is the best life. Shit, yeah. Kids is, kids is great. You feel you got to Shit's hardcore. You got to like take a shower after you watch that movie, man. It's like really it. I don't think it should have been made. No, <laughs> you know, it, what I, mean? it, I, I don't think. Yeah, it. <laughs> I like That's looking at it. Like it. it has been one of the bigger controversies. Is like, how is this movie with such gratuitous like sex and drug use and all that? And it literally, yeah. it, it, like literally minors. Like I don't think any of them were over the age of like sixteen in real life. Yeah. Um, that it's one of those where you're like, how do you get away with making this? Like, how did this get pitched? And they're like, yeah, let's make that movie. Here's all your money. Um. Yeah, same with like I said, Gummo and Spun. Like, Jesus Christ! Like uh, that was like at the end of that day, I was just like, I don't even know if I want to watch movies anymore. Like, yeah, like, oh. <laughs> I, I think I bummed myself out too much to ever watch. Like, if anyone comes to me and go, "Hey, I got a fucked up movie," I'm like, I'm done. I don't need yeah, to see like, these. God, anymore. what did I do to myself? Why did I watch? Why did I watch that? But dude, a super like I don't mind it in action movies. Like no, um, no. If like uh. Like that movie I saw, The Devil. Did you ever see that? Mm. The Korean, the Korean movie. It's got like uh, dude from Old Boy and all that shit. And like, uh, oh um, no, I did not see that. Good, bad, and the weird dude in it and all that. Uh, it's a bit. It's about like it's a horror action, mm. uh, but it's like the serial killer kills this cop's detective's wife, and this detective goes after this dude and just like beats his ass the whole movie, and like. <laughs> He like beats his ass once and then he like he knocks him out and makes him swallow a tracking device so he can just like follow him around and beat his ass. Like he like lets him heal and then he just like <laughs> That sounds fun. Sounds like a throwback to like like late eighties, early nineties action flicks. So that was my chat with Evan. Once again, want to thank him for taking so much time to bullshit with me for a while. Uh, definitely got lost in the weeds there at the end on horror movies and just some things that some of these things make you think about when you take in different forms of art. And, you know, a lot of times I do think that they're, I mean, while horror is usually a, just a really can be a very campy, violent thing, I do think that there's a lot of social political commentary in a lot of them. I mean, I'm even thinking of something recently like The Purge. And it's funny because I think when the movie first came out, I remember people being like, yo, this is fucked up. Like people just like get a night to kill and do whatever the violent thing that they want to do. But it's like when you watch the movie, you're like, 
but would it actually make people better? Like, would it make society better in some capacity? Uh, you know, me talking about Midsommar, I've only seen it the one time, but it has left a very profound, lasting impact on me with how I look about thinking about getting older and so forth. And some of the things that are, are talked about and discussed, uh, shown even in that movie. And it's something that I, I enjoy discussing with people. Um, but the other thing that was kind of funny and, you know, we, apologies to Evan, we have been actually trying to, uh, have him come back on and just finish, you know, at least like wrap up, like literally be like, Hey, thanks for having me on. Da, 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 bye. Um, but unfortunately, we just have been playing like DM tag, basically, where it's like I had time, then he like doesn't see the message, and then we go back and forth. And honestly, sometimes I think like that's the other thing, like why it took so long to get this episode out, because I was waiting for Evan and I to be able to do another chat and get this, you know, finished officially. But I also kind of love that it just it just kind of ends. Uh, and I think you know, at times that's that's how life is too. Like it's not clean it's not easy it's not what you want it to be and you just kind of got to deal with it um i think evan and i will probably have another discussion some point down the road and we'll probably get right back into where we left off um and you know that's that's the fun thing about doing a podcast um so i have really been struggling initially with putting out a quote-unquote incomplete episode but i'm like it's it's over two hours we covered a lot of ground like I think it's totally fine to just have it end. Um, so it is what it is. But again, uh, if you'd like to pick up Royal Thunder's new album, it is out now, Rebuilding the Mountain. They are on tour right now with Royal Bliss and New Monarch. Uh, so go check them out on the rest of the dates. Uh, and I'm sure they're going to be touring heavily in support of this record. Uh, go check out the band. Uh, record's really great. Uh, really dig it. And I really hope that the buzz that I feel like I've been seeing from a lot of people, I hope it manifests into success uh, for these guys uh, and gals. But going to start wrapping up this episode since the episode was so long. If you would like to keep up with Royal Thunder, you can find them on Facebook at Royal Thunder Music, Instagram at Royal Thunder, Twitter at Royal Thunder Atlanta. Uh, that'll be Royal Thunder ATL, uh, if you don't know the acronym for Atlanta. Uh, or there's in the show notes, I will have a link tree uh, for all of the things Royal Thunder has, merch, tickets, etc., all the music videos. Uh, if you leave Keep Up With Evan, you can find him on Instagram at Evan D. Prima. Uh, that's E-V-A-N-D-I-P-R-I-M-A. Uh, I want to thank our sponsors once again for supporting the show. Uh, support them if you can. Rockabilia, go to rockabilia.com. Use our code BREW10 at checkout. Take 10% off your total purchase order. Uh, if you follow them too on socials, uh, in interestingly, the other day, uh, they posted, what's a band that you really love, but you don't own any of their merch. And I thought that was a really interesting question. Uh, and some of the answers were really interesting as well. So sometimes they prose some interesting, you know, things that get you thinking or make you want to engage or at least read people's answers. Um, so worth a follow there. And then obviously starving artist brewery, uh, again, tagline. It's simple. It's great. I believe in it. Judge beer, not people. Uh, I got a flat of their beer uh, after my wife and I went out to uh, the brewery and checked it out and was blown away by everything I had. Um, a great little spot um, that definitely fosters a communal type atmosphere. Um, so if you're ever out in like the on the area by Ludington, uh, go check it out. Um, it's great. It's a uh, 
It's awesome. It's a, it's a cool little like secret spot kind of. It feels like you, you're in the know of something. Uh, and like I said, the people are great too. They usually uh, frequent there, at least the people that we talk to. Um, so thanks to them again for sponsoring the show. And for the Brutally Speaking Podcast, I am John, and I will talk to you all next time where our guest is Jacob from Chamber. That was a fun one. I uh, hope you enjoyed this one. Hope to see you back next week, and I'll talk to you then.